powered from the Perdomo Cigar Studios on the Black Stage in Indian Trail, North Carolina, and broadcasting from down under outside Brisbane, Australia. It's episode 65 of the Primetime Jukebox. Tonight, we talk Rock and Roll Hall of Fame and who we think should get in. And as always, the Primetime Jukebox is sponsored by Perdomo Cigars. Awarded Nicaraguan Cigar of the Year in 2014 by Cigar Journal, the Perdomo 2003 brand has consistently earned the highest scores in the industry and is a top seller in humidors around the world. The Perdomo 20th anniversary blend requires tobaccos that have been carefully hand-selected and are well-aged for a minimum of eight years. The Perdomo 20th anniversary is offered in three distinct wrappers, a smooth, creamy Ecuadorian Connecticut, a rich, earthy Cuban seed Nicaraguan sun-grown, and a dark, oily Cuban seed Nicaraguan Maduro. Combining these beautifully bourbon barrel-aged wrappers with thick, high-priming binder and filler tobaccos gives each blend a balanced complexity with layers of rich flavors and smooth, elegant aromas. Perdomo Cigars is a family-owned and operated company headquartered in Miami, Florida, with manufacturing and agricultural facilities in Esteli, Nicaragua. Perdomo's highly acclaimed cigar brands include the Perdomo State Selection Vintage, the Perdomo Double H 12-Year Vintage, Perdomo 20th Anniversary, Perdomo Reserve 10th Anniversary, Perdomo Abano Bourbon Barrel-Aged, Perdomo Lot 23, Perdomo Mensa 70, and many more. For great tasting notes and pairing information, check out the new Perdomo website at www.perdomocigars.com. And while I mentioned Jerry Tobacco, the authentic Corojo leaf is one of the most robust and flavorful tobacco leaves out there. During the golden age of cigars of Cuba, it was a leaf of choice to make some of the world's greatest cigars. Because it is one of the most challenging ones to cultivate, it fell out of favor by the 1990s. In the Hamastran Valley in Honduras, Julio Aroa took on the challenge of growing Corojo from the original seeds. And in 2000, he successfully reintroduced authentic Corojo back to the market. With over 50 years' experience in the tobacco business, from growing and curing tobacco to cigar production, the Jerry Tobacco Farm has been able to continue to deliver products to market with authentic Corojo. Now with Jerry Tobacco, Huenas and Husto bring their very own brand to market, each containing the authentic Corojo leaf. Aladino is available 100% authentic Corojo Puro, San Andreas Maduro, Ecuadorian Connecticut Shade, Cameron or Habano wrapper representing the Golden Age of Scots from 1947 to 1961. Now available at your local retail, be sure to ask for Jerry Tobacco, a legacy that is tasted in every drawer. And we want to mention Aganorsa Leaf. Great Leaf makes great cigars. Aganorsa Leaf stands out because of the distinctive flavor of our Carojo 99 and Criollo 98 seeds cultivated by Cuban agronomists on the best lands of La Nestle, Nicaragua. When you smoke one of our JFR, JFR Lunatic, Guardian of Farmer Casa Fernandez cigars, you experience a unique taste and aroma that makes Aganorsa Leaf special. Smoke one today and enjoy the signature flavor of Aganorsa Leaf. And finally, by Drew Estate. Drew Estate is about to make someone a whole lot richer. During a recent freestyle live show on the company's Facebook live page, Drew Estate announced it would hold a Bitcoin sweepstakes with numerous incredible prizes during upcoming freestyle live events, including a grand prize of one bit. Full Bitcoin for a lucky fan to be announced on the February 17th, 2022 edition of Freestyle Live. There were three shows where five people were selected as finalists into a grand pool of 15 people that are eligible to win that grand prize Bitcoin that will be announced on February 17th, 2022. You can learn more at DrewEstate.com. And of course, you can tune into Freestyle Live at the Drew Estate's Facebook page, facebook.com forward slash Drew Estate. And as always, all the live streaming for the Primetime Network of Shows, as well as the California Studios for the Primetime Show, is sponsored exclusively by Drew Estate. 
Well, welcome again, everybody. This is Primetime Jukebox, episode 65. This is the mid-February edition. Will Cooper here. I am in the Perdomo Scott Studios on the Black Stage. And I'm joined around the world by my good friend and colleague, Mr. Dave Burke. Thanks, Coop. Always a pleasure to do a show with you, Coop. Always as well. I mean, actually, the, uh, by the time people are airing this, the big game, uh, the Super Bowl, was, was, would have already been played. It's All actually, right. And it's actually Valentine's Day for, for some people. Like oh, so, <laughs> so, but here's the amazing thing, Dave. We're talking Super Bowls and Valentine's Day. Aaron and I just had our first initial conversation about planning for PCA. Oh, wow. Year. So to give you an idea, we're already in the planning modes as far as like logistics and 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 just so things are already starting. And that is this is crazy. It's less than five months away for us. So I it, it, am going to. Yeah. Oh, I'm going to be. And I know this question is without, you know. Notice, but I, I wonder how I mean, what do you think the show is going to be like? You know, I, I think it's going to be a, I think it's going to be a little better than last year. OK, um, but I still think it's, it's going to be, you know, the big five, not the big four out there. Um, I, I still think there's people the disillusioned with the trade show. Um, I don't know where we will be with the pandemic in five months. You know, it's, 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 yeah. it's been up and down. We've been going through, you know, now now it's peaks and valleys. We're heading into another valley, which is a good thing. But we'll lean in. We'll do you know, a surge in the, in the spring or early summer. So I think it's going to be really interesting. I don't know if this. But I would say it's going to be a little better than last year, for sure. I noticed some companies coming back this year that don't weren't there last year. Right. Uh, not the big ones, but but I think that's a start for sure with that. Do you think the big ones will come back eventually or? I I actually do. Um, yeah. I think when we were doing one of our recap shows, I predicted that one would come back this year. I'm not confident that's going to happen now, um, but right. I, I'm going to stand by it. I think that someone's going to be back in the next year. Uh, okay. I guess I've been guessing Altidus, but that's just gut. I have no information on that. Right. Yeah. No, no, it's just interesting. I mean, if any show could not, um, didn't need a break in momentum, it was PCA. Yeah. <laughs> did not uh, need that. Yeah. And they didn't. And you know what? They got a little TP got, had a very good show. Um, yeah, I've heard a lot all, of positive things about TP. Yeah. They had a good show. And, uh, you know, for the first time, I think I've heard some things coming out of this that makes it think, you know, I always thought that it was no competition, right? PCA yeah. was still, uh, I still think PCA has got a huge event, but I think for the first time they're looking in that rear review window and they're seeing TPA and they, they should pay attention, mm. you know, because TP did, did some things right for sure this year. And, uh, you know, while I wasn't there, most of the people I know in the media who were there are agreeing, agreeing with that sentiment. Yeah. So I'm going to take their word on it. Now, now this is going to air sort of after the Super Bowl. Do we want to do our predictions now, Coop? Yeah, let's do it. Uh, see, okay. I, I see a lot of that first Aaron Rodgers Super Bowl team in Cincinnati. In the sense that, like, they got in. It was like a happy story with the Packers. It was sort of like, oh, you know, they got in. Really, they're not going to win until next year. But, you know, it's a nice they got in. And then they won. And then they just rolled the Falcons. Yep. 
And the people are like, oh, okay, well, they're in the Super Bowl, which is nice. This will help them next year. But the Steelers, I mean, Ben Roethlisberger. Right. They're not going to beat. And then they won. And then they won. Yeah. So I I don't know. I have I'm not basing this on any anything other than my lack of trust in Stafford and my love of the story. I think the Bengals win by 10. Oh, wow. Oh, wow. And Stafford throws two picks. Oh, wow. So we're we're on the complete opposite to this. They're going to roll. You think the Rams? The Rams Rams lead from start to finish. There's no competition in this game. Um, they the, the Bengals have an awful offensive line. Mm. Um, they the Rams defense is really good. They got some. They got the Von Miller, Aaron Donald. That's a hell of a defense. They're going to be all over Joe Burrow in this game. Um, and I think what happens is this. And I was talking about this with John Carney of Florida Minicana. I think the Rams jump out early in this game. I think they mm. go up like twenty-one nothing. But I think this game's gonna. I think the the Bengals will hang in there, um, and they'll 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 give it a they'll give it a good foot best foot forward. It'll finish yeah. thirty nine to twenty. But I don't. Wow. See that. Yeah. Now Score here's fast. A, here's what I'm gonna say. I hope I am wrong and you are right because I would love <laughs> to see the Cincinnati team win. And a lot of people really like this team, which is you know I I was go I was talking to someone. If this was a game in the nineties, this would have been one of these like. 20 point mm. underdog games like where there were crazy lines in the 90s because there were so many blowouts. But I think we've gotten yeah. more accustomed to these closer games. And I think the lines have adjusted a lot more accordingly on that. So well, the, the, they got torched the last Super Bowl they were in, didn't they? By the 49ers uh, or the Giants? No, the, who, who? No, they played actually that that 12. What was it? That 12 three game or something like that. To the All right. Patriots. Yeah. And it was really interesting because I was in L.A. the day after they lost the Super Bowl. So it was kind of uh, interesting yeah. seeing the mode, mood there. Yeah. Um, it's interesting. Yeah. yeah. I, I uh, so because I I look, they're showing like, you know, who won the Super Bowl. So Bengals have never won one. Right. And the Rams only had one, which was, the, I found surprising. The Dick Vermeil. It was the Dick Vermeil. Super yeah. Bowl, um, who just got in the Hall of Fame. Uh, which is a big story if you're in Philadelphia, by the way. They just love Dick Vermeil in Philadelphia. Yes. Um, but yeah, you think about it, they only have one Super Bowl between those. I was surprised. Uh, and here's the other thing that, that was really interesting is, you know, when they they they, they won with Vermeil. Yep. And, and then two years later, they get back to the Super Bowl, Mike Martz, and they play the New England Patriots, who are heavy underdogs in that game. They were. And. Basically, they they uh, upset the Patriots, and that's what started the Patriots the Patriots dynasty. Yeah. So you know, no one no one expected New England to beat that team. That was an overwhelming favorite team that year. So, I think the thing the thing that's going to tell it is if Stafford turns the ball over. I think um, that's a big, and I, I think that's a key stat that you're you're mentioning there. I I agree with you on that because he really he really wanted to lose to the 49ers really bad, and they, <laughs> they dropped yeah. it. So. Everything falls apart in my argument if there's if, if the Rams turn this ball over, Stafford turns this ball over, because the Bengals are going to take advantage of that. That that yeah. I will say. I think they gotta survive that onslaught of a Stafford Cooper Cup long pass yeah. that I could see in yeah. the first quarter, something like that. They gotta, you know, but I think that's what's gonna I think the Rams are gonna hit them very hard early. But but I could see the like I said, the Bengals are a gritty team as well. It's that offensive line is just is it's so bad. Yeah. For, you know, and, and I just, I don't know. I see Aaron Donald just like 
having field day on these guys. So, oh yeah, I mean, I guess what I'm banking on is that Cincinnati comes up with a way around that, either like quick passes or like just try and do a do quick release, launch one deep to Chase and hope he's fast enough just to get there. Yeah, I don't know, run, you know, but. It, like you said, if Stafford turns it over two or three times, then it's going to be a totally different, a totally different game. I agree, and this is not going to be one where the Rams can afford to turn this ball over. Spain, uh, yeah. it can't have sloppy special teams or anything like that. This that's not a team you you know because that's where I think the Bengals will will take advantage of that, and any edge that the Rams have will be neutralized very quickly. And there's a lot of pressure on Stafford. Like they traded the farm to get him. Yeah. So that they won this game because they got here with Goff. If they don't win, it's going to be like, well, what was that for? Right. And you think about like um, you think about this for a second. Look what they what they brought in. Odo Beckham. They bring in Von Miller. They bring yep. in. Um, a- I'm leaving one other person, but they brought all these guys in. Right. To win now. It's a win now thing for, for Sean yep. McVay and, and the Los Angeles Rams. No, a good game, though. Can you maybe lose that after that, oh. the owner's going to go crazy? Is all I'm going to say. The fans are going to go well. Yeah. I don't know how. I don't know how passionate the the fans are. To be honest, like I said, it was a little when I was at three years ago. Yeah, we got the team back. We're really happy. We got to the Super Bowl. We'll get them next. That it was that kind of attitude, you know, in in, in Los Angeles. Um, and I was talking to someone I remember out there, and he said, "Yeah, it was just apathy when it comes to the Rams. If this was the Lakers, people would have been going nuts if the Lakers lost this series. So, or the Dodgers. It, it, it's a different. The Rams are just more. Hey, we're happy to have the team back, and you know, stuff like that. It's funny though. And then we'll move on to cigar stuff. It's sort of two teams at two different, like two different ends of the spectrum, because you have the Rams, which is like mortgaging the entire future on win now. Like you don't yep. see this team, right? putting it together for much longer than a couple of years. Then you have the Bengals who are like, oh, this is going to be, they're going to be good for the next 10 years. Like you have sort of the one at the beginning and one sort of at the end. Yeah, no, I, I agree. You know what the funny part of this conversation we're having is one of us is good. We're good. Like this, this it's going to air and the game's already over. So, One's gonna look like a genius. so, so if yeah, people could probably either laugh at us or someone's going to look at like a genius. Exactly. But man, yeah, I worry. I worry about, Donald, because there's there's no even in the playoffs, He's, they have he, not faced a defense like this. Von Miller, I mean, Von Miller um, won that Super Bowl for Denver over the. I mean, Panthers got firsthand view of Von Miller. Well, well Von Miller is gonna. I think Von Miller is gonna have to be the one to win it because they're gonna have to double team Donald, won't they? Yeah, I'm sure. So I mean, yeah. His Panther oh. fans are still say if, if Von Miller wasn't on the Broncos, they think they would have won that game. I don't know about that, but uh, in that Super Bowl, they lost to Denver. Well, 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 Peyton Manning sure wasn't lighting it up. I can tell you that. No, he was awful in that game. If you <laughs> yeah. So. Ah, let's get to cigar stuff now, Coop. Now that we, you know, hey, we put our we put ourselves on the line there. We'll see how it goes. We'll see how it goes. Yep. Yep. Definitely for sure. Um. Oh, dedications. So, go ahead. Yeah. yeah, dedication. You go ahead. Yep. I was just gonna say. Oh, so they're starting to come in. Um, 
the dedication show, we want to get them in by the 22nd of yep. March. So if you could email them to cigarjukebox at gmail.com. It's uh, basically you just email you know, the person's name, maybe a bit of a story of the person you want to make the dedication to, and then the song. And we go through them all. Yep. We'll be reminding folks as we go through that. We've gotten a few already. Uh, I know I'm going to be submitting about two or three of these this year. So I have, it was a rough year for me. Mm. So, uh, yeah. Um, but always happy to kind of rejoice on that show. So, so yeah. So, yeah. And I suggest if you want to like listen to the show um, with the cigar that we're having, because some people like to do that. It is the last Calaveras. Uh, you can still get those. Cigar Hustle, you can get those. You can get not yep. every size is available, I think, anymore, but there definitely are some. So you can pick those up still. Absolutely. Absolutely. Uh, in the worst case, if you can't get the 2021, you can probably find some of the older ones that are still out there. Yep. Uh, they get harder and harder to get every year, though. I can tell you that. <laughs> right. Yep. Um, Black History Month this month. So we're doing a couple articles on cigarjukebox.com. I just did one about uh, women, foundational women singers. Um, so you can check that out if you like. Um, so the list is done. I got to get Coop the song lists yep. for the oops and stuff. And then you got you got your list coming. Your new oldies are yep. getting yep. going. Yeah. Yeah. And if you're watching this, um, you'll probably already be at number three um by the time you're watching this live uh so the list is going on we're recording this it's already five to ten have been announced uh the top four are coming so the list is going to wrap up on wednesday um, wednesday for me thursday slash for you mm. um there shouldn't be a lot of surprises on on the, at the top of this list is what i'll say no. um so um you know I, I did you know it's interesting i had a couple of albums that had covers right and yeah. a couple of people asked yeah. me about that, right? So here's my take on whether I include it or not, right? If they've rearranged the music, right, mm. to some extent, it's eligible. Mm. If it's a greatest hits album where they don't rearrange the music, it's not eligible. That's kind of mm. where I draw the line. So even though they may be using the same lyrics, sometimes the music is very different is what I'm going to say. And yep. as a result, that was kind of where I drew the line there. So uh, the DGs was probably the one which came out today with number five. That yep. was probably the closest to that line. Mm. And it was, but it was such a weird album. And I know you're yes. not a fighters guy, but it was such a weird album that I thought it did capture. I thought for an older artist, they actually got some buzz on that album this year too. Yeah, I mean it's an interesting concept. Definitely deserves yeah. a place on the list. Yep. Yep. Uh, I, I agree with that. And the live stuff's actually pretty good. I know you're not into the regular Foo Fighters live stuff, but, <laughs> but, uh, but I'm telling you, it, 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 you know, they got in last year in the Hall of Fame. So, mm. yep. That they did. Yep, they did. So, so yeah, check it out. Uh, that will be wrapping up uh, this, like I said, by Wednesday, it will be wrapped up. Uh, the yeah. goals will wrap it up before I go to the Dominican Republic. So, yeah, 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 yeah. No, and it's always a good list. I love the new oldies list. Yeah. Um, I think two coupe, which is great. It's sort of like I, I I don't know I don't know if it's been like this forever, but just in the last five years, it seems like there's been a lot of like foundational artists putting out records. Like I just got a I just got an email from Vinyl Me Please yesterday. Yep. 
that of their new vinyl coming out that I could pre-order. And there's a new Willie Nelson record coming out. So, I mean, it's just like they just keep putting out music more and more. He just put one out a couple years ago. It's this is not like his yeah, he's Will- like eighty four. Like yeah, he's, yeah, yeah, yeah. It was uh, you know, same like Tom Jones is putting out stuff yep. in his eighties now. So, uh, you know, I, I I know we talked about this. This is why we tend to get very shocked when these guys pass in their eighties because we all of our lives we've been following these guys, right? So it is a big loss when we lose like a Charlie Watts, right? Because Charlie Watts yeah. has been doing music for as long as I remember. You know what I mean? Same way, you know, so yeah, I think people do take this stuff hard and personally sometimes because of that. It's and, but you know, we're getting to a point where these guys are reaching these ages now, you know. And the fact that they're even doing music is incredible. Um, but not just not just that though, but I think if you did the new oldies list five years ago, you'd be stretching to fill it out. And now it's I, like I, you're having to cut people off. Oh, I agree. You know? I totally agree with you on that. Yeah, I think that definitely is a valid point for sure. Uh, it seems like a lot of artists got reinvigorated uh, working mm. at the home studios. Um, yeah. So I know several of the selections were based on just home studio projects that started. Mm. Um, and but some of these artists are going to be touring and stuff this year. So oh. so it's not like they just did it and put it out. And Willie Nelson's a very active guy. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. That Diana Ross record is so good. Um, yeah. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Uh, music news. Taylor Swift and Ed Sheeran. Yeah, I want your thoughts on this one. I heard the song. Um, I, I was curious. The song selection was meh, in my opinion. So, but um, yes, yes. <laughs> okay, so it wasn't just maybe it was. And, and to, so to give Dave credit, and I'm gonna let him talk through it. It's not a Taylor Swift song. It's an Ed Sheeran song. So yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, no, I mean it's exciting. They they collaborated on. A track I can't remember if it was on Evermore, if it was on Folklore, but it was on one of them. It might have been Evermore. They I did a ever, track. Yeah, they did. They've done twice. They've collaborated. They've done twice. tracks. Yeah. Now, I mean, I guess for me, Coop, and I don't know what you think, but Ed Sheeran to me, I like to compare him to like lightly toasted bread. Like it's like it's not like edgy or bold, but it's not like it's not like too vanilla. <laughs> It's just sort of lightly toasted, you know, it doesn't give you it doesn't give you a whole lot, but, you know, it, it's it's serviceable. Uh, that's that's where I see Ed Sheeran. You know, you're not wrong on that, right? I'm not a big <laughs> Ed Sheeran guy, right? He's not, but, you know, there's potential with him. And I've seen the potential yeah. a few times when he got out of the Grammys and he was uh, performing with ELO. I'm like, man, this guy's good. He has a respect for a band like ELO. Why is he do what he do? like? Why is he put out this like like you said this flat toaster or whatever you know? Yeah, you know, like why I, are I mean, you like I you it's not that good. And then, but I see the talent he has when he's performing with Jeff Lynn. I mean, there's no question. So he he perplexes me. I thought this song was like blah to begin with. I'm like, mm. I didn't think this was a, a great Ed Sheer, like Sheeran song. The other keep in mind the other two times these were collaborations with on, on Taylor Swift music. I mean, uh, he's sort of like he's so, I, he. OK, for me, he's sort of like late career Jack Johnson. So I really like Jack Johnson's first record. And then right. every record after that, I'm kind of like, well, this is just the first record again. Um, but if it's on the radio, I'll listen to it and it'll be fine. Yeah. But I won't buy a record. Like, I mean, 
I think that's me with Ed Sheeran. Like, if I hear him on the radio, like, it's poppy. He obviously connects with people because he's huge. Um, but, I, I, like, I wouldn't get an album. Like, he's just sort of, like, background music to me. Yeah, I mean, I agree. I just, he doesn't, I don't do handstands for an Ed Sheeran song. No. And by the way, the but, two songs, yeah, go ahead. I was just going to say, he's definitely talented. Like, definitely I mean, talented. I'm not saying he's not there's talented. No, there's no question he he's talented, yeah. He's just in that pop lane that's really, I guess, for me, kind of uh, anonymous. It's like a very anonymous pop yeah. lane. It's like I'm the guitar pop guy. Like, it's very sort yeah. of straight down yeah. the line. And people are going to beat up Neil Young music is all I'm going to say. <laughs> you're beating you, but you'll buy an Ed Sheeran album. I, I don't. The thing, <laughs> and from what all I've heard, he's a great guy. Like, I mean, like I said, he, and I think he respects the business. I mean, like I said, when he's up with that, that performance at the Grammys with him doing Mr. Blue Sky, I'm like, man, this guy, I can, he's got the talent. I'm like, what do you do? What, what, why do you put out what you put out? Like, is who does he? I don't know. Does he produce him? He needs a producer to really just kind of take that talent out of him. He needs well, he just someone needs a risky yeah. record. I mean, yeah, he does. He That's 100 percent right. He needs to follow sort of the Harry Styles of it. So Harry Styles with with, you know, One Direction was sort of your straight boy band pop, which is fine. People right. liked him. He's talented. It was, right. you know, mm-hmm. but then when he went solo, he put out these records that are totally different, totally different. Like I said, took and, him to uh, another level. taking a risk there. So I think I think Ed Sheeran just needs a risky record. I mean, even Taylor Swift, Folklore and Evermore are quite risky for her. So he just needs a risky record. He's got it. He's talented. He's a great guy. He the supports e- indigenous rights here. I mean, but the, the music album, equal album didn't do it. I'll tell you that his last album wasn't no, that. Album. But I think he's got it in him. I mean, I think he'll do it, but it's just that hasn't happened yet is all. I agree. By the way, the song is called Joker and the Queen. Yeah. And the previous two tracks uh, were everything has changed from Red and Endgame from Reputation. So it wasn't wasn't the album. Wasn't the Evermore yeah. Folkmore? Oh, unless I'm missing one. okay. Unless I'm missing something, but I no, I just knew they did something together before. Yeah. yeah so, uh, so like I said, you could send your Ed Sheeran hate mail to both of us in this case. Hey, and it's not that I, I, I hate him. No, no. I mean, he's not Limp Biscuit or anything, but like it's, uh, it's just that he's in this sort of like pop lane that really doesn't get me excited. Like I, yeah, I yeah. like listening to it enough, but it just doesn't really, yeah. And, and that was the problem with Joker and the Queen. It was like it was a. Oh, here we go. Another exactly. And Taylor couldn't help it. Taylor couldn't do anything for this song. This is just not no. a great song. Yeah. No, I, mean, I, and, I think he yeah, returned a favor to him probably is what this was. Well, I mean, Taylor Swift was sort of in the Ed Sheeran lane after 1989. She kept putting out like roughly the same music. And then Folklore and Evermore just did a total left turn. Yeah. And that was the producer. Like you said, that was getting Desner producing. Yep. And she did a total 180, yep. um, which which really like got all the critical acclaim and really freshened it up. Yeah. And I think Ed Sheeran needs to do that. Yeah. I mean, I remember McCartney in the mid 80s. Um, he was in this funk. He didn't bring a producer. He brings in Elvis Costello to kind of just yeah. to kind of shake it well, up. Because he, he, he it wrote, up. Yeah. Yeah. He realized he was in this like lane that just wasn't going anywhere at this point. It was just, you know. Kind of autopilot. Yeah, I can put something out. It's listenable and stuff. But 
But yeah, and I think that's where a producer really could come in. And someone should be, I mean, if I'm a producer, I'm banging on Ed Sheeran's door saying, look, this is what I could do for you, you know? All right. But, but, last, uh, last Ed Sheeran thinks, I know he listens to the show. Yes, I know. Um, or, 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 you know, Taylor Swift pings him and, yeah. and he listens to it. Yep. I'm going to write an article on this because I just thought of it. Uh huh. What I really want Ed Sheeran to do is like Beyonce in Lemonade. I want him to get to do it, to do a, a duet album or a collaboration album. It just bring people like total left field. How like Beyonce is like, I'll just do a song with Jack White. Right, right, right. <laughs> what? You know, I'll do a song with The Weeknd. I'll do a song with Jack White and Kendrick Lamar. I'll do a song with the chicks. Like, it's just like, huh? And it was great. I want him to go like total left field is what I want. Just bring in people that are like totally opposite. Yeah, I don't and disagree. With him. That's my article, Ed, and you can see it. I'm going to write it because you've inspired me. Ed, Ed Sheeran has just inspired me, Coop. I have to admit that. Um, I got to admit, I'm a little surprised on that one myself. <laughs> <laughs> I didn't that'd think be, I think that'd be good. Well, at least he inspired someone. He's inspired me. Um, who else was an inspiration is when we look at music news. Um, we had some very high profile uh, musicians pass away. One of them is Betty Davis, who we've talked about on this show. Frequently. Yes. Yeah. Um, pioneer woman in funk music was with Miles Davis in an abusive relationship. Um, she actually came up with the title Bitches Brew. Yep. For his record. That's the uh, that's the legend. Uh, had a lot of themes around race, gender, pride of being an individual. Like she was, she was pretty out there. Um, but yeah, big pioneer in the funk scene. Some of the tracks are, uh, they say I'm different, which kind of gets into those gender, race, and pride in being an individual themes. And uh, nasty girl. Yep. There's just, just a, a, a great artist. Um, has a big a big uh, impact on funk music. And I hope a lot of people like check out her music after this because it's quite good. Yeah, she never was a big uh, chart topping artist. right? No. But in the 60s, she was getting a reputation as being someone groundbreaking already. Uh, she was edgy. She was controversial. Uh, she was vulgar. Right. Mm. And I don't mean that in a bad way, but I mean, she wasn't afraid to be vulgar is what mm. I'm saying. And she ultimately caught the interest of Miles Davis. And obviously they they had a world from what I understand, they had a whirlwind romance and a short marriage. But yeah. during that time, uh, you know, she, you know, a lot of people credit her with getting Miles to look at things like the psychedelic and funk genres, right, that he was became more well known for. And it was really after that marriage when she actually released her albums. Right. So mm. she was her albums didn't come out till the 70s there. Mm. Um. So she left the music industry in the late 70s. Um, I from what I understand it was to take care of her mother is what I yeah. from what I understood. But she just never really had a desire to go back there. Um, but like I said, this is an artist. Like I said, you, it's not an artist that I don't expect to see any of her songs on the Rolling Stone top 500 list, but a very, very like influential artist. Someone maybe the Hall of Fame wants to look at at some point. For mm. one of these contributing awards, because mm. she like she was you talk about female groundbreaking artists. She was as groundbreaking as they came and she paved oh, yeah. the way for a lot of the others after that. Definitely. Yeah. 
Um, and then another one, I'll, I'll send this over to you, mm-hmm. Coop, is uh, Ian McDonald. Yeah, Ian McDonald, um, he's a very, very well-respected person in the music business. And he's really famous for founding, co-founding two brand, bands, uh, King Crimson, mm. a big band, a big band that was a key band in the progressive rock movement in the late 60s. Mm-hmm. Um, so he was at the forefront of that. Uh, and then he in the in the mid to late 70s, more towards the late 70s, he forms Foreigner. Uh, he co-formed and founds Foreigner, um, which became, you know, probably had a, you know, they've had a couple of decades of success. A little oh, yeah. more of a mainstream band, I think, than, than King Crimson mm. was. Mm. Uh, but nonetheless, you know, very successful. Um, and, uh, you know, he was re- like the other thing is he was very well respected um, in the in the music business, this guy. Yeah. Um, so. He, uh, you know, again, people, you know, looked at it. This is a guy who started out as an army musician, actually. And then he eventually All right. he got into like, music theory, which led to him forming King King uh, Crimson. Um, and, uh, you know, there's a couple. You know, I, I picked a couple of early songs from each of the bands. Uh, if you're going to listen, I said, just listen to the early stuff, because that's when he was with those bands. Uh, the Court of the the Court of the Crimson King is a. King Crimson song, uh, great mm. progressive song. And I'll tell you what, and then this is more like I said, a mainstream song. I still think it's top three foreigner song for me. Feels like the first time. Yeah. I I, I just love that track. It's, it's more of an arena rock style by this point. Um, and uh yeah. So Ian is dead at 75 years old. Mm. The Family Palettes Review of the Week Coop. Yeah. The bit it this is interesting because uh it's the Matilda Limited Exposure number one. I mean I John was just on an island. John he was on Matilda Island. I yeah, I mean he he said it was a miss, right? But he didn't kill it. Like he wrote yeah. in there, this release of Matilda is a miss for me, and I'd find myself reaching for previous leases over it. But if you listen to the review, it wasn't really that bad. <laughs> no. Yeah. Uh, no one else really liked it at all. Uh, Seth absolutely destroyed it. Um, 3.6. He gave it like a three. <laughs> <laughs> uh, no, it wasn't. Uh, let me make. Uh, no, it, was it wasn't Eric. John. It was June who liked it. That's what I it thought was. one of them. One it of them was, gave it like a. No, this is it was June. He says so nice for Matilda to come out with a new blend. I enjoyed this Matilda Limited Exposure uh, number one. He was the one who liked it. John, like I said, John, was a, John didn't kill it. He had to give it a 5.45, but June gave it a 6.82. Oh, I don't know what. I 6.72. But they just. And then Aaron. Um, did not uh, like it. Aaron gave it a 5.30, which was probably high for him. Uh, but yeah, that you know, they've been really. Look, I'm going to say this. I haven't smoked the post-production release. This was not a good cigar I had at, at, at the PCA trade show. Is what I'm just gonna mm. say. It was a very disappointing cigar because Matilde and I, I, I guess I could speak for Seth here. We were so high on what they were doing five years ago. with the Oh, program. yeah. Um, and, and like I said, when I had it at the trade show, I was disappointed to see Seth's reaction. I think he was disappointed. Um, you know, the, 
uh, Enrique Sayas is a great guy. He's the son of Jose Sayas, a legend. Mm. But Jose Jose's not blending that for him. His brother's not blending it for him. Hostos Casada's blending for him. I know they're hard on that factory, Hostos Casada. They've been harder. Mm. I've had the new Las Arenas very good out of that factory. So I'm not going to kill the factory. You know, but I have been disappointed with, you know, what I've smoked out of that so far. Mm. Yeah. I think they're saying, too, that it's probably you can't even get it probably now because of the limited nature of it. But but there's a limited exposure number two coming. You said that. So. So, yeah. Rest assured, if you are uh, the uh, development palace, I think we'll have another one to review coming up soon. Well, this this begs the question, Coop, that I'm going to ask you is that if you're a cigar brand like and a cigar sells out, right, like sells really well. I don't know if this sold out. They said it'd be hard to get, so I'm assuming it sold out, right? Um, but it doesn't get that much critical acclaim. Do you still, do you like, oh, you know, it's sold well, so let's do another one. Like, I mean, I guess I'm just trying to figure out, like, how much, if it sells out, like, how much do they care about the reception or or when planning another one? You know, it's interesting. Yeah. Um, the, the, I think they probably already had a, multi-cigar deal in place right. right when they did this right so but i've noticed you know companies will look at the reception or the limited it's more judged on if it sells out to the retailers and if the retailers cleared off the shelves that's what i right. noticed so it's until the retailers don't place those orders that's when those start to fail right um, but some retailers hey it's release number one sold out let's put release number two on yeah. Um, you know, and I think I think a good example of that, Dave, that where it started to lose momentum is Viaje with the Skull and Bones series. Yes. Um, mm-hmm. you think about those early Skull and Bones. Oh my goodness. Um, they were just epic. They were sought after, constantly selling out. Now I see retailers they can't get rid of Skull and Bones, and they're not ordering this stuff as much anymore. There's too so, many. Yeah, there's too many. So I think I guess I think it but limited is much more based on the retail order than anything. Mm. I'm sure I'll get corrected on that from someone, but but that's my perception on it. Right. I don't know if that makes sense, but yeah, yeah, no, that makes total sense. Yeah. But it's just it's just interesting. Um I mean it's sort of like sequel movies, right? Like no one cares what the as long as as long as enough people see it and it makes money, you're making another one. Right. And the same thing. Can you find someone to distribute the film for you? Like you could produce it, but can you find someone to distribute it into the theaters for you? It's the question. Yeah. Uh, and then sometimes they can't. And now we see stuff go right to DVD or streaming service because of that. Cigars. I am smoking a cigar in honor of the Blackbird show that Coop just did recently. And I got the Hawk. Ooh. Collaboration with Cigar Culture with Blackbird. I like cigar culture, by the way. Uh, that's Adrian Acosta's uh, brand. Uh, he's he's got this culture number three. He's a he's a former national sales manager for AJ Fernandez. He's a broker now. He's he's very knowledgeable on tobacco. We had him on primetime, and he was one of our best guests. I can tell you that guy's very knowledgeable on tobacco, uh, and he's teamed up with Jonas for this hawk one. Um, so I have not smoked that one yet. I like it. I think that the Valley Palette guys. Wanted to sit a bit more, like they saw potential in it. Yep. Uh, I like it. It's creamy. It's got a nice sweetness to it. It's box pressed. Um, it looks great. Like the wrapper, the the, the yellow the and the yellow band, band on oh. that. Normally, I don't against want the yellow that wrapper. Band. Yeah, it looks good against that wrapper. I agree. 
But oh, yeah. Yeah. And if, like I said, if Adrian's involved with that from cigar culture, um, I immediately am interested in that because like I said, I have a lot of respect for Adrian. I guess worth checking out anyway. Yeah. I'm, I'm um, going to have to check that one out. Especially if you like the brand. Yeah. If you like uh, black blackbird. Yep. Uh, what do you got coop? Uh, I kept with the theme of Hall of Famers tonight. Um, <laughs> oh. So I went with Ernesto Perez, Creo ah. uh Pledge Prequel. Um, obviously, it was Cigar Aficionado, number one cigar of the year. It was a Cigar Dojo, number one cigar of the year. And it was a top 20 cigar on Coop. So uh, this prequel size is that Robusto. This is the one that got over the chart. Um, look, this is a very good cigar. Do I think it's the highest, should be the highest rated number one cigar of all time? No. Mm. Uh, but it's a very good cigar by Ernesto, and uh, I enjoyed it. Like, I remember when this came out, I was really excited. This was like in 2020. This was the most anticipated cigar I wanted to smoke. It didn't disappoint me. You get in the top 20, you, you, you know, you've, you've impressed me. Yeah. Uh, so I'm, I'm excited to light up this baby. Uh, this has that Connecticut Habano wrapper, uh, which is kind of been Ernesto's secret sauce lately. He All this right. Rapper, this rapper is the same rapper that's used on the Crown Heads uh Four Kicks Maduro. All right. Yep. All right. So it's that's that it's that Connecticut cigar. it's not Connecticut Broadleaf, it's Connecticut Abano in a Maduro form. Right. Yep. I'll give it I'll give uh Dojo a shout out as well. I got I use their cutter. Look at oh. that. Oh wow it's, it's, look at that cutter there. That is nice. Dojo. It cuts got, great too. No it is it is uh um yeah, so I yeah, I had to watch I, I missed his show last we were recording this on Saturday. I did miss his interview with Nick. I was really tired last mm. night. And, and if I'm not giving attention to someone's podcast, I I I, I don't really want to say I fell asleep during your podcast. When it's not your <laughs> podcast, I'm tired, right? So um so no, I want to give it the full attention to that. Um I'm sure that was a very good interview. So we'll check that out for sure. So general thoughts on Hall of Fame. Now, if you've listened to our Hall of Fame shows in the past, um, you know that Coop and I aren't like huge fan, fans of it. We think the Hall of Fame is really kind of, I guess, losing its uh, relevance. They tried to like get fan voting into it, but the fan vote counts for so little. Yeah, it's, it's really not. I don't think it's that big of a move. Yeah. Um, it, it, but, was, it was a throw to fans a bone is what it was. Yeah. But like I say, my notes, having said that, I'm going to treat the list this year's list at face value. And it is pretty good. It's a pretty a good better, list of artists, a, a better nomination list than I've seen in a long time. I, 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 I totally agree with you on that. Yeah, I'm not I'm not a big fan of Eminem, so I'm not all on board for him being on there. But like, if you just take it in good faith, I think it's a pretty good list. I agree. Um. I agree. I agree with you on that. Um, I think there's some a little more interest with us because we do have some like I'd say a little more personal stake with some of the artists that are on this. That's year. right. That's right. Um, so I think that has a lot to do with it. Um, but yeah, it it's a very confusing process. Um, like it's not clear oh. like what like you know basically it's it's 25. It's kind of you have to be 25 years since mm-hmm. your first album or first, or first yep. recording, right? Mm-hmm. Um. Mm-hmm. And then it's unclear, like, why you're nominated. Like, someone is a, it's not transparent enough. Like, with the baseball Hall of Fame, like, you, they publish yes. the results every year. And you can say, all right, this guy just fell a little short. He should be back next year. Um, 
But this is completely different. There's a nomination process by the writers and then there's a vote. Now, the vote, there's a fan vote, right? Which you can yeah. vote on, right? And we'll talk about what, how that fan vote's doing a little later. Um, and what they do is they take that fan vote and they com- they, it's submitted as one ballot among hundreds. <laughs> so Yeah, that's the thing. You don't, know even, you don't even know how many, like they give you one vote, but like, it's yeah. totally. Now, the interesting thing is that this is what's really interesting. I'll mention this. Fella Cootie, right? Last year, remember Fella Cootie was at the top of the vote? Yep. Fella Cootie's in last place of the 17 nominees. It's just. So I, I think don't. that I think there was a little bit of maybe a push from someone that is what I'm saying. Um, I don't know what the yeah. fan vote means. I mean, it's I don't know. I don't know. I, I do agree with you, Dave, um, on all the points. Now, uh, I, I want to address Eminem before we, we get into the, our selections. But uh, let me I'll just quickly read off who is on the ballot this year. Go ahead. Uh, this is in no particular order. The New York Dolls, Eminem, Judas Priest, Devo, Dion Warwick, Rage Against the Machine, Dolly Parton, Lionel oh, yeah. Richie, Fella Cootie, Pat Benatar, The Eurythmics, Carly Simon, A Tribe Called Quest, Beck, Duran Duran, MC5, and Kate Bush. Oof. So what is it now? Do you is it do you think that Eminem doesn't is not a Hall of Famer? Do you think he's not See, like a first ballot? You know, what, what what is your issue with Eminem? I'm just curious. I guess my thing is like when I'm looking at Hall of Fame and when I think of Hall of Fame, it's like, does this band, did they have like an iconic or not iconic as much? But did they did they put their stamp on the music industry and change it in some way? Right. So you could argue like we'll, we'll talk about Kate Bush later. I could argue Kate Bush had an impact on music because her style really paved the way for artists like Lord Bjorks, things like that. Um, I just think at the time, like if you look at his contemporaries, M&M's, they had way more of an impact on hip hop than he did. Like, I don't know. Like, yeah. I just don't see the impact, you know? Like, I don't see like Hall of Fame. I think of all oh, these are the artists where you talk about music history. You need to talk about these artists for their impact. And I just don't see it with him. Uh, like people I, liked him, but I agree. I'm not a fan of his. I, I think he's highly overrated in, in the hip hop world. Um, but he has had a lot of commercial success. Yeah. Um. And that's the part I think that he's maybe had that over some of these other artists that have, have got, you know, that are were his contemporaries at the time. But I, I tend to agree with that. Um, again, I think there's a place for and look, we say this. We said this. We did our first show. Primetime Ubac was on the Hall of Fame. And we basically said, yeah. look, we're, we're going to take the rock and roll piece. We're going to put it aside because we're not going to win that battle. No. It's, it's, it's a contemporary music Hall of Fame. I think he I think he is worthy of Hall of Fame consideration. And I'll say this. If if we're going to the year 2029 and Eminem is not in the Hall of Fame, there's going to be discussion why Eminem is not in the Hall of Fame. I just don't think this early he's he's he should be getting in when there's other artists that have been very much on the outside. That That's what yeah. my point and who have made bigger contributions to the industry as a whole, which we're going to talk about tonight. So I agree with you on that. But but I think if we go to 2029 and he's still not in, it's going to be the tide's going to turn saying, why is an Eminem not in at this point? What are they thinking? So 
But now okay. I, I, um, I have a feeling we're going to be wrong and he's getting in. I just have this feeling. Yeah, maybe. Yeah. I mean, yeah. This is his first time. But, yeah. I guess that's my thing. Yeah. So like, I don't really see where the impact is, but um, that's that's me. And yeah. I'm not a huge Eminem fan either. Maybe if I was a bigger fan and knew more of his music, I'd be like, oh, but he did this. So, you know. Yeah. Yeah. I, I agree with you on that. So Coop and I, I think we went with about six each. We tried yeah. to figure out how many do they actually include? How many do they take in? And it was hard because there's so many categories that we figure six is the most likely number to come out of this list. Is that sort of? Yeah, um, that's about right. Um, there are some like and we'll talk about this towards when we, when we don't when we wrap this up. Um, they have like so that last year there were um, six artists that got in. Uh, and yep. they were Tina Turner, Carol King, the Go-Go's, Jay-Z, Food Fighters, and Todd Rundgren. But then there were these like other mm. early influencer awards where Kraftwerk, Charlie Patton, and Gil Scott Heron get in, right? Yeah. Then there's this musical excellence award, which I don't <laughs> quite understand what it is. Uh, and, and they finally get LL Cool J in that way. Yeah. With Billy Preston and Randy Rhodes, right? It is weird. But I like that Randy Rhodes got in as a session musician. That was yeah, a really yeah. cool thing. Uh, and then there's the uh, Ahmet Erkin Award, which is more for executives and contributors yeah. outside of playing music. So, so yeah, I think, and I think you're going to see, for example, I have this feeling that Fella Cootie is going to get in as, a, as, as in, in the Excellence Award or some of these other. I think they're going to find a way <sighs> to get Fella in. Yeah. I don't know. So that's that's to say that Coop and I thought this is a safe number that, you know, six to go is for. about the safe number. Yep. Yep. And we um, do have different. We have, we all, yeah, go ahead. You go do it, man. Oh, no, go ahead. We all have different uh, artists. Is that what you're going to say? We, yeah, we all have different artists. Uh, and here's the thing I don't think we had much overlap either. I think, that, well, there's a couple. I do think that your first one should be getting in, though. So, yeah. <laughs> I have a couple that were nominated previously that aren't in. I have a couple first timers. This is a first timer, though, believe it or not. Okay. Yeah, this is the right. first timer who's getting in, uh, who got nominated. Let's just get into it, Coop. Dolly well, Parton. You, you had to be 25 years since your first release, right? Yeah. Her first release was 1967, and this is the first time she's been in. All I got to say is that, that is the, insane. The, the, you know, the writers of the Hall of Fame have been watching Primetime Jukebox. They, 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 must be. <laughs> they must have been. I, have, <laughs> I mean, I think I think Dolly Parton's gotten some steam because there's a podcast about her that was like extraordinarily interesting. Right. Um, where she did a really long interview. and It was really good. Yeah. I suggest it's like Dolly Parton's America. I suggest people check that out. She's sort of been in the news, like donating to yep. to the covid uh, vaccine, Black Lives Matter stuff. So maybe that sort of. Uh, brought her back into the pop culture and they're like, oh, okay. She has that musical out nine to five. That could be why it's now. I don't know. Um, she's country pro uh, crossover star. Y'all know how much I love Dolly Parton. Um, she has hits in like country pop duets. She has, you know, very uh, brave songs about uh, feminism, women's issues around married, married out of or uh, children out of wedlock around. We talked at length around how she changed the murder ballad structure to be from the woman's point of view as opposed to the man's point of view. Um, she's done it all. She's the best. Uh, 
it's hard to put down songs. I have a couple here. If you're not, if you're, if you have never listened to the show right. and, and you don't know, um, so Dolly Parton, you got, I got Jolene nine to five. I will always love you. And then I wanted to show off how she talks about a variety of social issues in her songs. And she did traveling through, which is a great song for the trans America soundtrack. Uh, and she talked about doing that and how, cause she's very sort of faith based, but how like, what her faith has taught her is that you, you know, you respect and love everyone and that people have a right to be individuals and feel safe. And so she said no better to do that than a song for this movie. And she did traveling through. So that sort of shows how she isn't afraid to take on social issues in her music. Yeah. Um, and she's got to go in. Right, Coop? I like they're not. This is interesting, Dave. She's got to. Here's the thing. OK. Um, I'm, this is not me talking. The Hall of Fame has not been super kind to the country artists. No. That's that's there. There's a very small amount that are in. A lot of them who are in are under like these uh, foundational types of artists. Like you go back to Jimmy Rogers, Hank Williams, yeah, Chet Atkins, Johnny Cash, Elvis Presley. So there's not a lot of more of the. There's a lot of artists who aren't in, right? I think that's what's hurt Dolly from from getting in. Okay, I I think that's yeah. the reason why she. I don't know if look if they're letting hip hop artists in, like like if they're you know what is the problem with letting um or R and B artists? What is the problem letting a country artists in? Um, but I do think Dolly deserves to be in that that category of what we're talking about. Like I think she is foundational. Yeah, I um, think she'll get in as foundational. I, I think, yeah, but but there definitely has been. I don't know why the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame has been a little. I don't know. They have not treated the country artists really good. Like Garth Brooks should be in this Hall of Fame at some point. Uh, at bands like bands like Alabama, certainly, I think, have, have earned that. Uh, so I don't quite. That's the part I kind of don't understand. Uh, like, so I'm hoping that Dolly pulls this mm-hmm. one through, but I think that's the reason why. Let's go to yours here, Coop. Yeah. Uh, what did I pick first? Let me go up to. Oh, the yeah. New York Dolls. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, it's time, guys. Let's get the New York <laughs> Dolls in the Hall of Fame. This is the third time that they're up for this. I believe they were up for it uh, last year or the year before. Um, this is. Look, we've talked a lot about this. Their importance to the punk scene and stuff like that. Right? Oh, yeah. Um, mm-hmm. They are. They're held. I mean, I, we did the show with Trip, and we spent a lot of time talking about the New York Dolls. They're very, very important. You know, I still always wonder the problem why maybe they haven't gotten in. And I think we talked about is punk tends to be very much a regional genre in a lot of times. Right. And New York Dolls, well, I don't think they deserve to be stereotypical as a, as a New York band. They are. And I wonder if that's the reason why they have it. But, you know, you have great songs like Stranded in the Jungle. And, of course, you know, the, the signature hit Personality Crisis. I think it's time for these guys to get in. I think they've I think, you know, third time's a charm. Um, I, I But again, I just I don't I the punk artists have had a tougher time as well. Um, but I think, again, mm. you look at these, you look at where their place is in punk history. It's it, it, it's, you know, the Rock and Roll Fame is. They talk, you know, we talk foundational. We throw that term a lot. That's a foundational band in, in punk. Mm. So I, I'm not overly confident they get in either. I'm just going to be honest with you, but I, I, I'm picking, they're my pick. They're going to be hey. on my ballot. Yeah. 
They should get in. I mean, I agree with your championing of them, and uh, I I hope they get in. They should get in. Uh, I I think it'll be great. I think it'll be really good to see them get in. Uh, I like I said, passed over the first two times. Okay, I I can I can understand it. <laughs> I, I I don't want to see them like like if if we're still having this conversation six or seven years from now, and they're not in. I'm like this, this is a crime. But I think we're at the point from what I've seen who's on this ballot this year and what they've contributed and what they've done. The New York Dolls, I think, have checked the boxes to do it. So, well, we, they got they got a band. I think you have. So I'll save my rage, uh, my rant for that. But, uh, you know, if the uh, band, one of the bands, if they if they still aren't in. Right. Like, I don't know what you're doing. Right. Um, but so I got one that's not in. I think was last year. I think it was last year. Coop Kate Bush. Was she last year? Well, yeah. Yeah. So Kate Bush, I've talked about her before. You've I think she's really paid. I, I think she's really paved the way for Bjork, Lord. I mean, even Billie Eilish, just these sort of like more performance art, sort of avant-garde musicians. Um, I, I, I sort of say in my notes, non-traditional uh, w- women music slash art. Uh, the songs I had, so Weathering Heights is like the one everybody knows. Uh-huh. Um, and she had a resurgence in the 90s. Uh, with a with the album and a track that I love off of this album is Eat the Music. I love that track. It's sort of this like weird kind of like um, South American vibe. It's really good. I really like it. Um, for her, like what Coop was saying with Eminem, we're looking at commercial sales. With her, it's not as much sales as it is impact for me. Um, now, does she? I don't know if she gets in. Uh, but I'd like to see her in just because of this impact it's had for women artists sort of moving forward. I mean, you can almost draw a direct line to Bjork, really, from Kate Bush. Like, it's pretty it's pretty yeah. close. Yeah. Oh, uh, by the way, this is the third time that Kate Bush has been nominated as well. Oh, man, I don't um, think this got happen. But it's the second year in a row as well. So I think there's some movement with the writers with Kate Bush, right? When, you, when I look at the artists getting nominated two years in a row, I, I said, OK, there's probably some movement where she had some support the last time um, and people are putting them back on the ballot. I agree. I think we talked about the commercial sales piece hurts, but it, I don't mm. think the commercial sales thing is the end all easier here. And I think no. this, you know, the only other thing I look at was as far as longevity of career goes. Um, uh. She she's been around a while. Right. And she's been around certainly about mm. over 40 years. Um, she's been a little, uh, she's been, you know, after 93, she, uh, she went, um, ugh. she kind of had a kid and stuff like that. She took more time off. So I, I really after 93, she was less active is what I'm saying. Mm. But, um, so then I'm looking at her career from like 78 to 94, probably long enough to be give, give, you know, it's probably long enough where you have that in there. I mean, I think that that album in the 90s was her was her last big record. Yeah. Um, that that. Yeah. And, and I remember that like being around like people really connecting with that record. Yeah. And I think that was sort of the last Red big record for her. Red yes. Shoes. Yeah. Red Shoes. Red, Red yeah. Shoes. Uh, you know, and it was interesting because I think she had one of her bigger bigger hits on that mm. album. Rubber mm. Band Girl was actually one of her bigger mm. hits in the U.S. Mm. So mm. but much like we were just talking about, she just never had that chart topper in the U.S. No. No. Um, but that shouldn't 
necessarily because I, I think from that she's like part of that like you mentioned Bjork this is like um that art 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 artist art rock they call it right I yeah think- I mean you can even uh I mean you'll get there later with one of your bands but even yeah. like Annie Lennox sort of is like like that like very yeah. non-traditional yeah um performance yeah uh, yeah yep now that now the, your next band Coop they got to get in surely I I you know and and uh, we we mentioned we talked a little about this, uh. So this is um, this is Duran Duran, and um, this is the first time they're nominated, right? But they and I and I mentioned this on last week's show a bit. I think Duran Duran's gotten in because they have had a very successful year, yes. uh, leading up to the uh, leading up to the release of Future uh, a Future Past, right? which is their new album. So I think that they got people fresh in the minds right now. I also think that there's been a few bands that have kind of paved the way like that have, you know, I think, and I'm, and I'm, this is a crazy example, the Go-Go's, right? I know the right. Go-Go's were a groundbreaking female band, but they were an MTV band. And yes. I think now for the first time, we're starting to see some of the MTV bands. And look, mm. Duran Duran started out as an MTV band and they became so much more, right? Mm. Uh, and, and the one thing is, a band I've really followed closely. They don't do the same album. Like really since really since Rio, they haven't done they haven't tried to do a oh, Rio, duplicate man. album. Rio's a great album, right? Mm. Planet Earth mm. and Rio, I could see some similarity, but but they have just uh they have just done album after album and and hit after hit. Um, you know, and even the splint the splintered groups of Arcadia and Power Station, I, I they're separate. Mm. They they're not they're not gonna be Hall of Fame bands, right? But I think it just showed the 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 uh, the, uh, the contributions. Now, I'm I'm advocating that they need to induct Warren Cusarello from Missing Persons with Duran Duran. Okay. Uh, Warren was a Warren was a key part of the band from like '86 to '95, and he was a mm. big force on that Duran Duran Wedding album that I talk a lot about, right? Which I think is one of their best albums. That's what Come Undone is um, on that that one. Um, it's an amazing album. I think Warren, I don't know if it ended well. Because uh, what happened is they wanted to bring Andy Taylor back into the band. And Warren was already the guitarist. And they just decided they didn't want two guitarists. So Warren was booted, right? Yes. But, yeah. I, think when, but I think when Warren was with the band, he did a, a very good job. And I, I think it would be a great move for them to say, you know what? Let's, let's put, it's not going to happen, unfortunately, for Warren to be up there with them uh, if they get in. But I'm, I may be going ahead of myself. Um. So I'm I'm in favor. Look, they have they have amazing music. If you go back. Yeah. To, how, how do you pick? Yeah. The chauffeur. I, I believe I don't know if it was Pete Johnson. I think he likes that song. By the Pete way. Johnson loves that song. OK. Yes. I saw it, yeah. And and you listen to it. It's, it's a haunting. It's a, it's, it's you know, it, and when it came out, it was so un MTV like when it came out. Like, this is a hell of a track, right? And then you have the MTV track, A Hungry Like the Wolf. It's a great song, right? It's a great music video, right? Um, then, you have a, then you have tracks that are a little less known. Uh, Sin of the City uh, is an amazing song. Uh, it's about the Happy Land fires that took place in the Bronx, right? Never released as a single. I think it's one of the greatest songs that never be released as a single. Uh, right. it, it, it's in the city. You want to check that out. And then there's new stuff off the future past album up to, you know, I've, I've talked a lot about um, some of the songs, but I haven't talked about tonight United. That's another great, 
uh, song um, that that's on there. So, I mean, it's a it's a long career. I I don't know why they've been off the ballot for so long. Right. Mm. Um, but I think I think the last few years they've been looking at some of these MTV bands a little differently right now. Um, but I contend they did it. They've done it for five decades. And you and I talk about they sound great. Simon LeBond does. It sounds like he did when he was 20. Yeah, I mean, a couple quick notes, because you did a great job uh, going mm-hmm. through them. Um, I think I think that the Hall of Fame and critics in general, because you see this a bit on the Rolling Stone list we're going through. I think there's a bit of a bias against 80s bands. Like I think there's this view that the 80s were just this wasteland of music. And so I think that might have held out yeah. against them and against another band that we'll talk about that has been nominated, but should. Yep. Um, but I also think Coop, not just that the album came out, but that it's good. Yeah. The album. Like, is- I, like, <laughs> like, I think that helped. Like, I think if it came out and it was like, it was bad, people would be, would think a bit differently, but since it came out, it was good. Yeah, I, I think, think it had, helped. I think I had a lot to do with that. Dave, the album was yeah. good. They were very friendly with the media and they've always been very good with the media. And so this is not like, and, People wanted to talk with them. And you know what? The album actually is connected with with some people as well. Uh, I think some people really have said this. is You know, I've had a couple of people. They know how high I am on the Future Past album. And they, and they said to me, this is a really good album. You're right. It's a good album. Um, it's a good album. Yeah. Um, so I think, you know, that it kind of put this a little more in, the, I think, the writer's minds this year. And, you know, like I said, we've seen some like remember, like we go back 10 years ago all the progressive bands were being blocked from the Hall of Fame. Yeah. So now it's like, I think we've seen the, there's, uh, there's a definite 80s bias right now that's going on. Yeah, I think so, so. So maybe it's starting to turn a little with that. Mm. And we'll talk about a band that hasn't been in yet, that that's, I think, yeah, that has to be what's against them. But now I do think if they don't get in, they, they may struggle to get in after this <sighs> for a while because the album is going to be not fresh in the minds anymore. So um, I am, I am very curious to see uh what what happens with that? Um, I don't and, know why they wouldn't get in. Uh, they you know, get in. You know, it's interesting. Well, I'm going to. Um, oh, you keep your powder dry. I'm going to. OK, I was going to say Duran Duran <laughs> second in the fan voting right now. Just keep that in mind. Oh, good. That's so, good. And I'll, I'll go through the fan votes uh, at the end. But but yeah, Duran Duran second in the fan voting. So that's saying a lot right now that, that you know, what it ain't, people people appreciate this band. Yeah. Hmm. Uh, the band that I have is Tribe Called Quest. I think this is the first time they've been up. Um, if memory serves, uh, I have the list here. Uh, to see if they got. Are any. they a first timer? I believe they are. Uh, yes, yes. So Skip Martin and Tribe Called Quest. Yep. Yeah. Skip Martin, the favorite, I think. Yep. They, they, along with you know a couple other bands, really ushered in that sort of East Coast sound, that fusion of jazz and hip hop which the roots really take uh, over as well. Um, some of the best lyricists in the business, like Fife Dog and Q-Tip, their verses are just unbelievable. I mean, they have a verse uh, that's uh, the verses, the job of the resurrector is to wake up the dead, which is just the best verse ever. And it, I mean, Q-Tip alone has had a huge impact on hip hop. I think they're one of the great... Um, Ensemble hip hop bands in a very long time. So I think they should make it in. They got songs like Electric Relax, Relaxation, 
jazz war tour scenario put out new music not too long ago um you know fife dog is no longer with us so it would be um, a fitting tribute to him so i just hope uh, tribe called quest makes it in and i think coop has frozen so i will chat a bit longer but no, Tribe Called Quest, I think should, they should be in. I think this is some of the reason with um, Eminem. When I'm looking at contemporaries, I'm putting out music at the same time as Eminem. I'm looking at Tribe, don't really know where he fits in. Um, but yeah, we'll see if they get in. Um, hopefully they will uh, with hip hop. You're back, Coop. Yeah, Dave, I'm going to ask you, I think the, everything cut out. What, I'm going to ask you to repeat it again. Okay. Okay, so I apologize. I just want to make sure we got it. Yeah, because with the mics, right. something cut out. Yeah. So... I was saying Trap Called Quest, I think they should get in. I think they really helped usher in the East Coast hip-hop sound, that sort of jazz hip-hop fusion that the Roots really took over to around that sort of early 90s time. Um, great lyrics. I was saying, too, that, like, you know, if you look at Q-Tip, his impact alone with his stuff with the Beastie Boys and yeah. with others... I mean, he's had a huge impact. And then Fife Dog, who's no longer with us, Fife Dog. So it'd be yep. a good tribute to him to get in. Um, tons of songs, much like Duran Duran, hard to pick a few. But I picked uh, Electric, Relaxation, Jazz, um, Award Tour, and Scenario, which are probably their two biggest known uh, Award Tour and Scenario. Scenario, definitely, because that song was just massive. But I was, like I was saying, Coop, I don't know where the committee is on hip hop, but I think they should definitely get in. So, yeah. And this, um, um, thanks for I apologize. I don't know what happened there. I would say this. Right. This is where they have a little challenge here. Right. Um, Eminem's got the got the commercial numbers much more over a tribe called Quest. But I look at a tribe called Quest. I've heard this term alternative hip hop. It's exactly what they fit in it. They were so, I think they, what they did was so much more groundbreaking than Eminem. Mm. But, you know, the question is if there's only so many ballots, where does a, a yeah. tribe called Quest going to wind up on this thing? That, that's mm. kind of where I'm, I'm kind of curious with um, as far as that goes. I'm um, just really, that's the part that's going to kind of, I don't think they both get in Eminem and a tribe called Quest is what I'm Yeah. Gonna, yeah, so I see that. Yeah, you know, and I look at like, like, like I said, from it, I, some of their albums. I mean, they also, you know, they've incorporated jazz elements. There's so much good stuff they've done it from an innovative mm. standpoint. That, uh, <coughs> excuse me, I just got a really heavy retro hail. Um, <laughs> but yeah, I'm like, yeah, I'm with you, Dave. It's a good pick. I mean, for sure, they have they check a lot of boxes in my book. Yeah, and I, and I wonder for your next one, I mean, he checks a lot of boxes as well, but I wonder if it's the the 80s part of it rearing its head again with your next pick here. I think it's that, and I think there's another factor I'm going to get into with that. But, um, yeah, so my next pick, uh, another personal favorite, and, and I was really surprised he was. this is the first time he was nominated, uh, mm. was Lionel Richie. Um, and Lionel Richie... If you look at his, there was a point from 1981 to 1986 where his solo career 
exploded. Okay. Yep. He was at a level of Michael Jackson and Prince. He was in those discussions we're talking about. I mean, he was up there. And I think one reason why he may have it is he had a shorter, his solo career really after those first three albums was, was, mm. was not impactful. But man, when you look at, he kind of comes on, he does the, the duet with, uh, first he does that duet with Diana Ross, Endless Love, right? Uh, mm. So you got like these two Motown titans. He releases his first uh, album, uh, the, the eponymous uh, Lionel Richie album. It has the song like You Are is on there. My love. Uh, it was big. And then what does he do? The, the second album, Can't Slow Down, mm. explodes. You have tracks like All Night Long and Running With The Night, Hello. And guess what? That album, people forget, beat out Purple Rain for album of the year for the Grammy. Right. And it was a hell of an album, right? It was, uh, I just thought it was it was really good. And then he did another album after that called Dancing on the Ceiling. Mm-hmm. Um, Lionel Richie's got an Oscar for Say You, Say Me. I mean, he's he's got a lot of that. Um, but I think there's a little of the backlash of the 80s that why he hadn't gotten on there. And I think it's because it was a short window where he had that, he didn't really maintain that superstardom. But I think he uh, he did a lot of that. Um, I believe this is what I believe. I believe him on American Idol has reinvigorated some folks on him. Okay. I think he's I, could been a, that. I could see that way. You know, let's look back, uh, at that. Um, and, um, but I think he's not going to get in. I just have a feeling he's not, this is a lot of competition, mm. uh, this year. You know, Ronald Richie also did country songs too, right? People forget that he did a song on the dancing on the ceiling, uh, album with Alabama called deep river woman. Mm. Like really a, a pure country. Uh, you know, my love is another one that's kind of country-esque. Uh, Stuck with you is also a little country. I, I think he checks boxes in terms of innovation. I really do. He was a dan- he was pop, dance, ballad, the love ballads, um, some of these country. I, I think he really I think he does I, I think certainly he deserves to be in it. And like I said, it's hard to find an artist that had a five-year, five to six-year window at Lionel Richie. Mm. Um, there's not many who had that was a huge, huge window he had. So mm. um, I'm rooting for Lionel Richie. I really hope he gets in. He deserves it. And, you know the Commodores yeah, aren't I mean, in. The Commodores aren't in either, by the way. Just keep it, which uh, you know they're a foundational Motown band as well. What's going on there? Yeah. Um, you know, let me say one more thing, Dave. I think when Lionel Richie went solo, people didn't really associate him at Motown, even though he was on the Motown label. Yes. I don't think okay. we thought, I think, I, you know, even when Diana left Motown, people associated her with Motown. So it was oh, almost pe- like people yeah. associated Aretha. Right. Yeah. People exactly. associated Aretha Raikla and she was never on it. She was never <laughs> on it. Right? But like you never hear like like when you hear these like uh, we were talking about this, the, the Super Bowl show. Right. Uh, Lionel Richie wasn't in that Motown, that tribute to Motown. This is, again, as successful an artist as you had. And oh, don't forget, he did the duet with Diana, who's mm-hmm. we'll talk about why she hasn't gotten any either. And uh, but she's at least with the Supremes. Right. But yes. again, you had this. You had the two that song, Endless Love. The two biggest Motown solo artists were doing that song, you can argue. So Weird. male and female. Yeah. So um, now uh, let's hope let's hope uh, let's hope he gets in. I'm rooting for him. Oh, yeah. No, definitely. Yeah. Um, now, I think I talked about them in the past as well. This is Rage Against the Machine is my next one I, I want to get in. Um, 
they dominated the 90s. Uh, took hip-hop and punk to new heights. I mean, Zach's early work, punk work with Inside Out, really influenced sort of that direction of the band. Uh, at the time, it was a sound you never heard. This sort of, like, punk, like, edge to it with this hip-hop. I mean, I think the combination of Zach De La Rocha and Tom Morello on guitar is just an amazing combination. Um and I, th- I think, and they, it had the social activism of a public enemy and the punk chops of a black flag. It was just a combination you never saw before. And I don't think you've seen it again since done well. Other bands have tried, like sort of body count kind of. It, 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 but I don't think it's been as well done as with Rage Against the Machine. Uh, I think what's holding them back is similar to your discussion about um, Lionel Richie Coop is like, they were sort of like a comet. Like they came in in the '90s uh, with uh, their their title record, and then had Evil Empire, and then had one more, and then kind of like broke up. So they had a huge impact on music, but it was kind of short lived, really. It was maybe like this like ten year window, maybe not even that, maybe like eight eight year window. Um, but you have songs like Killing in the Name, Bulls on Parade, Bomb Track, like just a great yeah. band. That made a big mark on music, but I think what's held them back is that lack of longevity. I think. What is um, the fourth? You know, it's fourth time they're nominated. Yeah, uh, they are the of all the artists this year on the list. They have the most nominations. Oh, second most, second most. I'm sorry, there's one that has more. Second most, yeah. But I think it's that what holds them back is sort of like if you compare it to like a tribe called Quest, who's had music spanning you know decades. I mean, they really only had this like short two three record window right but they were just so good yeah <laughs> that um so yeah, i think they should get in will they get in i don't know it, it's the second year row they've also been nominated by the way mm. so uh yeah i mean it's gonna be i think this is gonna be a very interesting one they're gonna have to get in on one of those five or six slots because yeah. i don't think they're gonna get in under the other category so Mm-mm. um so, yeah, I, you know, I, I agree with your whole assessment on that one. Oh, this band. I am shocked that this band is not in there, Coop. Your next. Oh, one. I am completely. This is this is a miscarriage of justice <laughs> that they have not even been nominated. Your uh, next two have been our miscarriage of justice. But I'll, yeah, I'll let you get. Yeah. But this is a first time nomination for a <laughs> band that I think. Uh, oh, my goodness. They've just. Um, no, I'm sorry. They have been nominated one more. They have. I, I, I have my. Okay. They were nominated once before uh, the Eurythmics. So this is only the second time Ooh. they've been nominated. But still, the fact that they haven't been in yet is a, is a is an outrage that the Eurythmics have not been in. I can argue, okay, I can argue that Annie Lennox and Dave Stewart are, are Hall of Famers on their own. Oh, uh, yeah. Annie, as a solo artist, Dave more, I think Dave falls more into that Randy Rhodes type of category, right? Uh, and my goodness, I mean, look at it, how they... they when they, their second album was Sweet Dreams. A lot of people think that was the first album. It was actually a second album. You know, they mm. do Sweet Dreams. They do Here, Here Comes Elaine. Very oh. synthesizer-laden, melancholy-type songs, right? Um, and p- people forget that um, Sweet Dreams was released at the beginning of, the, of 1983. And at the end of 1983, they come out with Touch, which has Here Comes the Rain on. So they did two oh. albums in a calendar year. Um, and amazing tracks okay again and then 
I believe their third album was one that just to me, um, it was it showed a whole other side of the Eurythmics, and that was uh the Be Yourself Tonight album, right? Mm. And they come out with that album, and it's would I lie to you, right? What a track! What a track! You get it. it it's kind of a combination of Motown with hard rock. Like it, it, you know, it, it's to me. I just I love that song. I love that music video where Annie Lennox mm. is telling her boyfriend to go take a hike. Right? Yeah. It, 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 but the song is really, really good. Right? Then don't forget who's who they duet with on an album too. Aretha's on that album with Sisters are doing. There it for you go. Stuff, right? Yep. Yeah. I mean. Um, and that when that third album came out, it showed the Eurythmics were not a one trick pony with synthesizer stuff. It showed that they really kind of um, really kind of did well. Um, when you kind of look a little later in their careers, um, some of the other albums after that didn't do as well. And I think it eventually it, I think that led up to the band splitting and, and Annie going solo. Mm. But Annie mm. certainly didn't fade. Um so again, it's, I think it's a short window where their their commercial appeal was, but uh, I think they. I mean, again, I look at Dave Stewart's a brilliant guy. He doesn't get the credit for the production mm. work he puts into things, and uh, uh, and Annie Likes, of course, is a is a special special musician and a special vocalist. Um, so I I I I mean, I they've got to get. I mean, uh, they'd have to. Have to. I mean. Uh, I think they're. I think they'd be a popular inductee. I think people would be really happy to see them. And maybe the '80s bias is going against them with those first. You know, with, with I mentioned some of the earlier stuff, more synthesizer driven. But I think "Be Yourself Tonight" that's what changed the band and and, and just changed the, them as a duo. Um, to me. Well, well, well. Sooner or later, the 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 committee's going to have to get over that the '80s have good music. I mean, they're going to have to move on. There, look, you know? there was some bad music in the 80s, but there was bad music in the 90s. Great, like, yeah, bad music in the 70s, bad, you know? Yeah, it, 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 there was there was bad music in the 70s. Yeah, there's no question about it, right? So, I mean, yeah. yeah. I, I mean, the Hall of Fame has definitely had a bias towards 70s white male rockers in the past. That's been yep. their sort of criticism. They um, have, they have, but then they've, then they've made some exceptions for some foundational artists, and yeah, that's why it's been a little selective. And so uh, hopefully they start to change that, which is why maybe we're seeing some of these bands come back that we thought should have been in, um, that are up again now. Uh, um, yeah. Th- my next artist, I think, like Coop said, I think he goes in as foundational. That's Fela Kuti. Um. A jazz icon, huge influence with sort of the Afro jazz sound, um, which made it, which which will make its way into pop music like later on. But I think he was sort of a huge influence with that. A uh, big time activist in Africa as well. Um, just I talked a lot about him the last time because I thought he should have gone in. Uh, like I said, this is more for impact, so it'd be more like a foundational type uh, entry, but. Some of the songs, Zombie, yeah, uh, which is which is a big record of his, uh, which his mom got killed for. Wow. Um, yeah, like so it was against the uh, army, and the army's like, "All right, you you don't like us," and they like went in and like raided his town and like killed a bunch of people. <laughs> 
uh, which is a good. Um, so zombie, and then uh, let's start, which is a which is a a, a great uh, jazz track. I mean, I think it gets back to Coop. Like, I don't know how well jazz has done in the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame. Not great, quote unquote. So I think it's more that foundational entry. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, because if you if you opened it up to more jazz artists, and I think artists like Weather Report should be in, you know, some of the even more contemporary ones that, that had huge success yeah. and, and kind of changed the game. I understand they kind of like they kind of they they still you know there's always this feeling that rock was an offshoot of jazz. Yeah. So, so maybe yeah, that kind of that plays a role into this. Um, I think so. I think foundational. Uh, he'll get in. I, I think. I mean, yeah. that's my thought, um, but. I, I think so, too. I, I have this feeling he's going to get one of those other categories this year. Again, I don't understand how you win the f- just about you're at the top. I don't think he won it. He was right at the top, though, like of the fan vote. Now you're at the bottom last place. Right. Um, and, um, you know, again, a fella, you know, uh, you know, I don't I just have a feeling the hall wants to put him in there. I, I think that there's yeah. people there's so does this committee get together and say, all right, maybe he doesn't get the vote, but we want him uh we want him uh you know in as one of the you know in one of those special influencer categories. I, I, I would so. watch I would watch for that. I, I I believe he's gonna get in this time. Now your next band here, I, I do not for the life of me understand why they're not in the rock and roll hall of fame. It is unbelievable. Third third time nominated. It's uh, unbelievable. It's Judas Priest. All right? How? How? And, and here's the other thing. Last year, Iron Maiden gets nominated, and they don't get in, right? There's clearly metal struggling right now. Yeah. place in the Hall of Fame. It's almost like, all right, we, we're not going to put Iron Maiden back on next year. Uh, you know, we're going to put Judas Priest on. And to me, Judas Priest is... Um, they're, they're absolutely, you know, we, we've thrown this word around all night, foundational. They're so important to heavy metal, all right? They're so, oh. they're so, and they're still, you know, they're still, you know, they're still going. I mean, it's not like that they're, they're, they're not doing this stuff. Um, and, and I think they did a lot to pull in fans of heavy metal. I, I mm. Judas Priest, when I was like in eighth grade, was huge. Like they oh, weren't yeah. getting, they weren't getting played on the radio in New York, right? Because metal just didn't get played on a lot of uh, stations, right? So it was, you know, they were really connecting with people through album sales and concerts, right? Uh, back then, you know, where they didn't get the airplay necessarily, but they got they got those two things, and they've had a they've had a great run. Um, and there's oh. just there's just some classics they have, like like breaking the law, like like mm-hmm. breaking the law. Uh, then you have, you know, that cover of Johnny B. Good, which I think is, is so cool. That metal cover of Johnny B. Good. Uh, you got songs like You Got Another Thing Coming. And of course, I always include Turbo Lover because I love Turbo Lover. Oh, uh, yeah. Uh, uh, that's one of my favorites. So, I mean, it's just, just and, and I've talked a lot about Turbo Lover on previous shows. I think people didn't like Turbo Lover when it came out, if you were a Judas Priest fan. But I think as time went on, people said, you know, Turbo Lover is a pretty good song when they look back at things. So I don't know how they're not in. And again, I don't know how, unless you have a metal bias, I don't know how you leave them off this time. Again, this is a good comp. This is a good set of nominees. This is not something these guys deserve to get in. Yeah. Oh, yeah. I mean, I, I mean, this is my thing. I. 
so like it's like Dolly Parton, right? Like they're a band that transcends music. Like you go to somebody that's never listened to metal in their life, and you're like, "Hey, Judas Priest." They've heard of the band, uh-huh. you know? They have. So I I don't know how they're not. In, I don't know. I don't know. They sh- they should be. I I can I can even um I can even tell you um Iron Maiden great and they should be in too. But people could probably name Judas Priest songs. I've heard, you know, I think Judas Priest is connected a little more outside that main, that metal. Like Iron Maiden is just within the metal community is like royalty. And Judas Priest is what well, I think Judas Priest has done a better job of kind of reaching out into that is what I'm saying. Well, so, I don't think any metal band should get in before Judas Priest. Like, I mean, how do you, how do you, come on. Judas yeah. Priest. Yeah. It's Judas Priest. Yes, I, I think it's third time they're nominated. I hope this is a charm and they get in. Um, like I said, there's a, there's a lot of competition. That's what I'm saying, because you've named yep. some artists as well. That I'm like, these guys should get in. Uh, oh. That's what I'm saying. This is a lot of spots. This is a good list this year is what I'm saying. I, uh, I'm i pulling for my last one. I don't think she gets in, but I just have, <laughs> I'm just pulling for her, Coop. Yeah. I'm just pulling for her, and that's Pat Benatar. I was given some Pat Benatar love. Uh, she's sort of in the mold of Joan Jett. I love Joan Jett. Um, I think it's Mary, a great Mary Tyler Moore song. Mary Tyler yeah, Moore yeah. song. I listened to that. That was good. It's really good, um, isn't it? Yeah. Yeah. Um, I think Pat Benatar, she's sort of that mix of pop with a bit of a rock edge. Um, dominated the 80s. Yep. Which there might be another 80s bias here. Um, I think... She, she's a great it shows how women confront rock bands, which wasn't common of the era she was uh, because of the rise of glam and male dominated sort of like four piece hair bands. But you got like Pat Benatar rocking like head to toe leather, like just bringing it uh, the tracks. Everybody knows you got Heartbreaker. Hit me with your best shot. Love is a battlefield. I, I mean, I think she should get in. Just if you're looking at historically uh, a woman led fronted rock in a time where it was really getting dominated by more male, uh, four, yeah. like I said, four piece bands. Um, I don't I don't I don't think she'll get in because we've talked about this 80s bias. She missed, she missed it a couple of years ago. This is a second nomination and she missed it a couple of years, which a lot of us were shocked. I think a lot of us had her locked in uh, a couple of years ago to get in. And it was, that was I, mean, I don't know, other. Coop, like. Like I said, like I'm carrying the torch for her. I I think past again, but I mean, I don't know, Coop. Do you think she falls into this like '80s bias? Like, oh, that's just that pop trash. Like, that's not really. I mean, I don't know. I, I almost think it does because she had pop success, right? She had chart success. Yeah. I almost feel like that's held against her. Um, she's very much joined at the hip with Neil Gerardo, her husband, the guitarist, who who gets a lot of credit for a lot of the music there too. Um, that shouldn't take away from her on that at all. Um, like you mentioned, she made, I mean, she was coming on with the, with the leather dressed in the leather, oh. you know, um, she's you know. the best. I mean, I mean, I went to a concert of hers. She was rocking the mini skirt and like looked great. Right. And, and just, just commanded, commanded the performances. Right. Mm. Um, I, I love so much. Her, her catalog is, is, is deep. It's good. Um, you mentioned the tracks. I mean, invincible is, mm-hmm. uh, Sex is a weapon. I mean, I go sex yep. is a weapon, in my opinion, is a very, very uh, female power song, too. Um, 
it, it's good music. People liked her music. Um, and she should be in the Hall of Fame. There's no question. She should have got in a few years ago when she was nominated. Yeah. And I thought that was one of the miscarriages of justice that she didn't get in. I know when we look back, who gets in, we're going to probably have a lot to say because it's been tight this year as far as competition goes. Well, this is a band, your last one, this is a band that I think we talked about last time too that we thought should get in and, and they're, they're up again. Yeah, they were. I think they were up a couple of years when we did the show two years ago. They, uh, it's the M, M, uh, it's uh, MC5. Yes. Uh, yeah, MC5. This is the sixth time they're nominated. I don't understand this one, Dave, either, because I, I they again, we, we've thrown this word around all night foundational. You go back to foundations of hard rock. MC5 is yeah. absolutely a band that that paved the way for so many people. Uh, and, you know, they just I don't I don't understand this one either. Uh, are they ever going to get in is my question. That was my I'm just wondering if they're ever going to get in. I mean, uh, I don't know. Six times is a lot, man. Yeah. No, I know. It's a lot. And, you know, they song kick out the jam has a little bit of a tears for fears and well, tears for fears was influenced by them because in the mm-hmm. seeds of love, they say kick out the style, bring back the jam. Uh, and I think that was a kind of a play on this song. So I, I and, and I mentioned that because I think tears for fears recognized the importance of MC five uh, with that. Mm. So I, I, I just, I'm like, the qu- you know, I, I put them on here. Um, and I don't think they're getting in, though. I just have this feeling they're not going to get in this time. Uh, and I don't think they're going to get one of these other slots like we talked about these no. these influences. Slots. So, yeah, I'm like six times a lot. of what what is why aren't they getting in and why do they keep getting nominated is the question. Well, I think the interesting thing. Well, yeah, why they keep it. Yeah, that, that's a good question. I think yeah. the thing is, and it could be with uh, a lot of bands, is that I think kick out the jam. That record was so big. That yeah, it might just overshadow. That's a everything problem. Else. I, I agree with you on. I think that's a great point you make. And, and that so is, it might be seen as like a one hit sort one of thing. Hit. Where yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, I still think that they should like have special categories, like like Hall of Fame singles, Hall of Fame records, yeah. Hall of Fame album. You know, I think I'd like to see you know Hall of Fame guitar plays. I'd like to see this kind of expanded more because I think there's roles for that. But but nonetheless, I still think that there you know. The rock and roll whole thing has always been about foundational stuff, right? This is what, mm-hmm. you know, that's what we've seen. Why are certain things that are foundational get in and certain artists who are foundational get in and artists who don't? Uh, but and I think the point you made is a really good one. Well, it's sort of like, I mean, it's like with uh, Rage Against the Machine. It's like it's like the Bo Jackson argument, in, yeah. right? Yeah. It's like Bo Jackson's career was so short because he got injured, but he was like so good. <laughs> he was so he good. In anyway. Yeah. He was so good. But, you know, uh, yeah, exactly. Um, and, you know, you've seen like, for example, I think Kurt Warner is a good example in the NFL with that. Too. Yes. He yeah. didn't have a long NFL career, um, you know, because he can't he started later. So but he still he did enough to get in the Hall of Fame uh, for sure. But I guess that's the argument. It's like. Do you look more at longevity or do you look at like, well, when they were in, they were so huge right. that you can't overlook them. I think it's a, I think I look you know I look at the combination of things and I look at the influence that they had and the impact that they've had, uh, mm. you know, and I and I do think it's important to be able to name more than one song by an artist. I I, I do think that that's yeah. something that's important. Um, but you know I can tell you there's there's, there's several one hit wonders in the Hall of Fame, so mm. you know well not oh, one yeah, hit one but founda- who are foundational who had one hit yeah yeah so so yeah that uh, 
Yeah, MC5. Oh. My selection now. I mean, I guess my final thoughts. I thought it was a solid list. It will, I'll let you go with the ones who aren't nominated, which will get a lot of discussion. Yeah. Uh-huh. Um, the peop- some people on the list that I'm pulling for are Dion Warwick and Carly Simon. I just couldn't pull the trigger on them because of the other people on my list. I it's was tough. Of- it's tough. I they're gonna have competition there. Um, but I'm really pulling for them. Um, I think the issue with Dion might be that she might be seen more as of like sort of a soft rock, like soul kind of singer as opposed, you know, I don't know if she fits that mold, but why is Dion Warwick nominated over Diana Ross? Oh, <laughs> I just got to say that. I don't know how else to say it. Why is she in, in why has she been nominated over Diana Ross? The uh, only thing I can think of is because of the Supremes. That's all I can think of. She's been, yeah, that's probably what it is because she's been nominated two years in a row, too. This is the second year in a row they put her on the ballot. I mean, I don't know, and this will get into your list, but I have no idea why Diana Ross isn't in for the Supremes and a solo artist. Like, that's ridiculous. Yeah. Um, I think there's one other artist that we both didn't talk about um, that has a shot, and it's Beck. Yes, I didn't talk about Beck. We didn't talk about Beck. I think Beck has got it's the first time Beck's been nominated. I think there's a shot. I think he, he could miss. I think Beck could miss this year. He he could. He's just his catalog is so diverse. Yeah. And good. Um that I think we didn't talk about him because we're sort of championing these other people, but he definitely has a shot to get in. Yeah, he does. And, you know, the thing about Beck is he came in the late. He, he's really a guy who came out around in the late 80s. And, you know, obviously in the mm-hmm. 90s, he had he had his uh his career. Uh, and, and Beck just seemed like he's been, you know, you know, he won. a You know, it's interesting. He won an album of the year. He did. Uh, So, I mean, Beck is certainly a. a I think Beck is certainly someone to watch it um, for sure. The other artist, I don't think this artist is getting in at all is Devo. <laughs> oh, they should, though, man. I mean, <laughs> whip it. <laughs> I think they'll be I think they'll, they're very it's sort of like craftwork like, you know, I mean, I think they'll go up. I don't think they'll get in. I agree with you. I think yep. they'll be I think you'll see them on the list a couple more times. But I agree. I don't think yep. they get in. Yep. Yep. Now the the list you put out here, Coop, the ten artists who have not been nominated, we could make this its own show. Like this is insane. Not even nominated, yeah. So let me kind of go down the list here. And I mentioned Diana Ross, an absolute miscarriage of justice, right? And <laughs> yes. I get she's in with the Supreme, but what she's accomplished in a solo career is Hall of Fame. I mean, I'm just like, there's not more. I guess even, and I'm surprised. I thought you know she had a good album this past year. Yeah. Um, it's actually eligible. It's going to be Coop eligible next year. Just missed the deadline, unfortunately, uh, for the new oldies list. Oh, it's going to be a battle between them and Tears for Fears next year. Boy. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, I have I have Diana Ross on it. And I just like I said, I this is one where this is one where I get totally um, I get totally frustrated by um, I get totally frustrated by um the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame. But she missed the deadline for the new oldies list by five days. Just, you know. Hey, that's <laughs> right. She gets next year. She's going to be on it. Right. 25 albums. She's had a. So, so yeah, Diana Ross, uh, another female, a couple of other females, Alanis Morissette. 
I think Alanis, I think we fall into sort of that MC5 category where that where Jagged Little Pill is so massive. It's so massive. It's so that over, yeah. It overshadows everything. Although I would argue that she should get in just for that album. She never did another album again. Right. I would right. say she should get in. I, it's such a we, we've done a whole album archaeology on uh, Jagged Little Pill. Yeah. Uh, so, yeah, I think Alanis is certainly the share. That's surprising. You know, when me. you were talking about Believe, when you were talking about Believe a couple oh, of shows ago, so. and you kind of yeah. look back at how, and I kind of went, and at first I was surprised with it on the Rolling and I look, it's a great song, but she's had a really good career. Mm. Um, She's had a really good career. So, and uh, I mean, she's been, her and Diana Ross have been eligible forever. I mean, these are like, yeah. since the Hall of Fame started, I think they've been eligible. Or, well, or this least, next, oh yeah, this next yeah. band of years is just unbelievable. Like, I cannot believe it. In excess. How? Uh, Not even nominated? I, I think that this is the U.S. bias, unfortunately, uh, because if, you, if, if it was more international, they would be nominated, right? So uh, do you think they are only looking at the Kick album? I think they look at that Kick album and maybe a little bit of X and that's it. But but there's so right. much more they've done. Yes. And, and you look, you live in Australia, right? To, you tell me if I'm wrong. Anytime in excess is mentioned on the news, it's talked about. I mean, oh yeah, this I is an international incident that they're never <laughs> like when they were doing the whole uh, when they did the miniseries. Uh, mm -hmm. You know, when they did the whole rock star in excess thing, right? Um, I, you know, I can argue that you know they did what they did good with JD Fortune afterwards, but really, Michael Hutchins along that they that was a Hall of Fame career. Oh. If I the, the monsters on the international scene, they had they had a smaller window of success in the U.S. though. Um, but Kick was really the point where they had it, and X kind of they got a little dovetail on that. I just uh, can't believe yeah, that. Not even uh, Jimmy Buffett. Mm, that's surprising. I'm surprised. I mean, Jimmy Bucket. I mean, you look at does is it because Margaritaville is maybe so overshadowed? I mean, but this cheeseburger and paradise. I mean, Jimmy Buffett has set a culture, is a culture with Jimmy Buffett. The only thing I can think of is that critics see his music as too uh, populist. Like, you know, like it's not. That's the only thing I think of yeah. is the critics are like, oh, you know, they're above it sort of thing. Like yeah. that, You have to kind of get in the mind of the critics, I guess. Yeah. By the way, there was a there was a Margaritaville cigar by General. It was awful. Ah. <laughs> But there was a Margaritaville cigar about five years ago. Yeah, it was awful. Didn't didn't it disappeared very quickly. Well, what is it? Island Jim? He's basically Jimmy Buffett, isn't he? He really is. I mean, if you think about it, <laughs> Island Jim's become Jimmy Buffett. He's probably more pop. Uh, and, you know, he's kind of Island Jim's whole persona, you know, is uh, influenced by Jimmy Buffett. I mean, he's 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 the Jimmy Buffett of cigar makers or cigar retailers. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. I'm putting Brian Adams on here. He's a monster in Canada. I'm sure Surgeon can talk more about that. Uh, I think he's had some huge success. Uh, and I think he's had some longevity. So I'm a little surprised that I think the 80s bias is going totally against mm, Brian Adams here. Mm, mm. Um, but I actually love Brian Adams. I think, but most of the Brian Adams stuff I like has been his less popular stuff. Yeah. So, but Reckless to me was an incredible album mm. that he did. I love Reckless. I'm throwing this, next this one. Weird Al uh, Yankovic. Yes. Why? I think he deserves consideration, Dave. Yes, I agree. I think 
But it goes back to that bias. I think the critics are like, oh, it's just parody guy. But he's got the polka you know, side of him. There's a the whole polka side of him too. But and I wonder if that goes against it. You know, we don't want to put a polka guy in. But yeah, I think there's there's a lot of bias with that. But like, I mean, for me with Weird Al, right? He's connected with people for so long that you can't just say, oh, it's because of the novelty of it, because it's been like decades of music. So like, yeah. I don't. I think he should be. Yeah, I think he should be too. I think the whole novelty parody stuff which he's done things the right way with keep in mind he he's always sought permission and he's gone through the right route of doing this uh and he's always put a unique spin on these songs well and that's the thing like people connected with the music i mean if, if it was just like oh the novelty of it he'd like have like one record and that'd yeah. be it but he's been yeah. putting out records forever but his, yeah he has and like i said some of the original music i don't know if necessarily his hall of fame but i think it rounds him out a bit you know some of the polka stuff so I wouldn't say he's the greatest polka artist of all time either, but I think I think you know again from what he's done, uh, he definitely deserves some consideration at some point. I think so. I mean, I could you this, know, yeah. This next band too, like this is unbelievable. I don't believe it. Like yeah, it's B on here, and I don't believe it. The B fifty twos. B fifty twos. How are the B fifty twos not on here? We were, we were we were talking about them with uh, the Rolling Stone list, and Rock Lobster made it, and we were talking there's other songs. That I think are still the coming with that, with with the uh, that can make that list. You know, we were saying there could be up to like three songs maybe on that list. You know, Love Shack, Rome. I mean, there's, there's other ones. So uh, they kind of are. I don't know what I wouldn't say. You know, they're obviously they're associated with that Southern Georgia sound, um, but I think they revolutionized that sound. And I think they they're not a regional artist by any means. I think people love the B52s. I think people would be thrilled that the B52s got in. Oh, yeah. Now, I, is this true though that that Cool and the Gang have not been nominated? Oh, I skipped that one. Yeah, I don't believe they've been nominated. <laughs> yeah, when I looked that one up, yeah, Cool and the Gang. How? Is not, um, it's a good question. Um, man, that is uh, rough. Yeah, that one. Uh, when I looked it up, I I I went and double checked it. I did not see. Uh, cool in the gang. Uh, nominated, and, I, and again, I'm surprised about that. Uh, I guess I I wonder if the pop part of that career sunk them a bit. Mm. Uh, you know, it, it that surprised me. Um, to a great deal, that that cool in the gang has not been put into here. And I just went and double. I just went and double checked. There's a website called Future Lock Rock Legends dot com and uh they are not on here is what i saw jesus so um you know there's uh i'm just going again cool in the gang zero nominations 28 years of eligibility god that yeah. is unbelievable yeah uh future rock legends.com i'll put that in the, in the show notes it's a cool site to kind of look at some of that's where i get a lot of my data from they do a great job at um uh, actually um you know, capturing, you know, mm. the stat. If you want all the stats and the analytics yeah. of this, that you're going to get that. So, yeah, cool in the gang. Uh, how are they? Because, again, I think you look at what they did from maybe the, the early 70s. Yes. I get their, their adult contemporary stuff is a mixed bag, but it certainly gave them some commercial success uh, at, a, at a part of their careers, too. But, you know, Hollywood swinging. Oh, know, yeah. Open Sesame. I mean, yeah. Um, 
you know, they just, it was, it was the funk, the jazz, they've kind of reinvented themselves a few times. Uh, I, I don't see how they're not in. And your last one, Pet Shop Boys here. Yeah, they should be in. Uh, Is that 80s bias, you reckon? I think it's more, well? I, I think it's oh, 80s bias. And I think it's similar in, um, to the problem that um, NXS has. I think they're much bigger in Europe. Mm. So, I mean, they're huge in Europe. And they're, they're monster commercial success. They've, they've revolutionized. Yeah. They, they are the best artists of the post-disco era. I mean, a post-disc, of that post-disco genre. They are, they, are the, um, they are the top of the game with that. I mean, huge in England. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. they're huge in England. They're, hu- they're huge in Russia. They're huge in Russia mm. at all places. Uh, when they did the, uh, the Live 8 concert, they headlined, yes. the Rus- they headlined the Russian part of it. So they're 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 big in Europe. Uh, that's where that's where their base is. Um, there's a show called Absolutely Fabulous. It's out of the UK. It was a monster. Yes. They were selected to do an alternate theme song for that show. Really? That's, yeah, Ab-fab. yeah. It's called Absolutely Fabulous, and it's a uh, it's a uh, it's really cool. It's a really cool song, uh, and it just kind of captures the vibe of the show, is what I'll say. So. Uh, you know, they've, they've teamed up with Dusty Springfield. They've had, you know, West End Girls. There's so yeah. much, that catalog's deep, is what I'm saying. And it's, but you don't hear a lot about stuff past like what they did in 1990 in the US is the problem. So I think that's what's hurting them too, as well as I think they're associated with 80s since, since a lot. Mm. So, but it's much different. So those are 10, and there's much more. I mean, I'm sure we could have come up with a list. We could do a whole show on this at some point. We should uh, do a whole show. Yeah. On that. yeah. Well, I'd like to see some of these artists get some nominations at some point down the road. Oh, definitely. Yeah. Cigar checking coop before new music. Where where are you at? Oh, I'm about a little past the halfway point. Just a slow burner. Um, you know, I I'm a big fan of this rapper, uh, this encore rapper, which is that Connecticut Abano. I think Ernesto mm. uh, has done a great job with this cigar. Um. I'll, I'll say it again. I don't think necessarily this is the number one cigar of the year, but it was actually number 16 on the coupe list. Um, the flavors that I'm getting off this cigar are, you know, you get you get a coffee note. You get a little of that liquor, black liquor sweetness, a little black cherry note. There's a woody component and some pepper. Uh, I put this a medium to full throughout the whole. Uh, it's smoking as medium full bodied. I mentioned there were a couple of retro hails where I really got the pepper hard on this. Uh, <laughs> uh, and, you know, Ben and I were talking about retro hails. Sometimes you don't want to retro hail too hard a cigar. Yeah, uh, yeah, yeah. Like you don't want to go deep retro hail, but if you kind of go in the middle, you get a lot of it. And, and this is when you don't want a deep retro hail, unfortunately. But it's a really good cigar. Very much enjoying it. I bought a box. All the way- I bought a box. Oh, you got a box. I believe- yeah, I believe Ooh. in this. Cigar. Yeah. I got. I'm this. I'm about. I'm almost done to the nub of the hawk. Smokes really well. Um, construction's really good. I think I really like it. It's got sort of like a bit of chocolate to it. It's got some nice kind of creamy sweetness to it, and a bit of like a woody note. Mm-hmm. I think, and I think that the Valley Palettes guys might have talked about this. I think the one thing is that it might not. It's not the most complex cigar. I think. Mm-hmm. Like it has a couple of flavors that it does really well uh, that are consistent throughout the cigar. So if you like those flavors, like I do, you really like it. But if you're looking for, I think, complexity, it kind of falls short on the complexity. But in terms of like a cigar, that's enjoyable. It's really good. Where did you get the cigar again? 
Neptune. Neptune. Okay, good. I'll have to check that out. Uh, I yeah. got to, I got to check it out. This is, I haven't smoked that one, but I'm so impressed with what Jonas has been doing. Um, and even if it's not, and that's a, I, there are cigars I like that aren't complex that are still deliver good flavor. Oh yeah, yeah. I mean, yeah, and it delivers. I think maybe if you let the, the palette guys talked about this, maybe smoke a couple off like off the truck, so to speak, or mm-hmm. like right when you get it, and then you you let a couple sit for a while, it might bring out more. The McCall was like that, and the McCall was yeah. like that. The limited we were talking about earlier, so I would put that in the same boat. In a lot, you know. So I think that's always a good thing to do. Oh, that. But I, I said that one's really. I love. We were talking to Jonas, and I he would love to do an Eagle cigar, but I think someone's got the Ooh. trademark for Eagle, oh. unfortunately. So it was good to see him do another big bird like the Hawk. You know, one of those. Go, 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 Australian. Do the do the emu. Yeah. Do the emu. Yeah, you do, go. Or do like a do like a. Do like a uh, a seven by seventy and make it like the ostrich or something. Right. Like right, right, yeah. right, right. Or flamingo. Uh, yeah, a, a flamingo of like uh, you know, an eight by forty lancero or something. Man, if you did the flamingo and had a pink band, that would be hot. It would. Oh, that would be great. You know what's interesting? Though? He wasn't a big bird guy till till he started the brand. Yeah. So and it was interesting. He was very honest about that. It's not that he disliked bird but he got into after after he branded this thing he got into this more uh i think it's a great marketing thing yeah i think it's great yeah you know, you know he was very honest you know because i asked him the question about the camacho bands which i thought was really interesting and they really are i mean they're they're in the style of camacho but i don't think it was a ripoff of Camacho. no 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 no, no. no i Tarano was more of a ripoff of camacho there was just too many elements that was but if you look at those bands and like I said, the, the way the colors display and, and uh, I went to Caribbean cigars and that's where I first and, and they, they just display nice in the humidor. And by no mm. means, when you look at that saying, oh, that's the Camacho. It's like you don't think that. Yeah, I think. I mean, I think the, he, I think and, I, and you've talked about this too, Coop. I think on the panel show you did. It's like if you look at the band, I'm putting the band up right here. Right. Here's the band. It's great colors, great everything. And then you even have like these like these embossed birds yeah. on it. And there's yeah. just a lot of effort put into that where yeah. you see some cigars. It's like this paper thing that like, you know, you put on your inkjet printer. Yeah. <laughs> it's like, what is that? Yeah, no, it's true. And, you know, another thing I'll say in this really I'll, I'll encourage folks to check out the interview with Jonas. Um, his limit the going back to the macaw. What I really liked is how he really with his limited. It's about developing a concept. Uh, it's yeah. not about what's the factory got for me to take. Yeah, yeah, and, yeah, yeah. And he puts and he put a lot of effort into that. Um, which to me, you know, obviously the cigar has still got to be good. And in this case, I liked it. Some people didn't like that cigar, but um, but yeah, I, I I really appreciated how he put the effort into that limited edition cigar. Uh, but man, he it like that, yeah. Man, you do a Lancero. With a pink band, pink and blue, and you call it the flamingo. Oh, yeah, I'm buying that. Oh, uh, yeah, yeah. I'm, I'm sure he'll do a great blend for it too. I mean, that's that's the confidence I have with this guy. He's a guy to watch. I think he's a rising star in our industry. Mm. I think he's a guy. Well, the cigars are really good. They're really good. Yeah, he's really good, and um, he's got a good marketing guy working for him. This guy Elvis uh, Batista. He came mm. over from La Galera, and he worked for Neptune for a while, Elvis. So a mm. uh, great marketing guy he's got. So um, 
I think he's got, you know, he's certainly building the right team and he's, he's got a blender. He's, you know, he talked about the blender. He's very comfortable with that blender as well. Now, if you're listening to this and you've heard Coop and I, cause I think this is the third Blackbird cigar I've had on the show. Yeah. If, if you're listening to Coop and I talk about the Blackbird, you should go to Neptune cause they have a, a line sampler. It's like yeah. four or five cigars. It's not that much. It's only like 30, 40 bucks or something. His stuff's very reasonably priced too. Yeah. And you could you could check out the line. Like they got a Connecticut, they got a, a, a San Andreas, they got sort of a Dominican, they got everything. Yep, yep. That San Andreas, the crow was like that was the one that really started it all for him too. Yeah, I've uh, I've like I said, I've been impre- I've been impressed. He was one of the more impressive guys just to talk to this year as well. So new music coop cigar hustler. Yeah, so um, we always want to mention cigar hustler. Located in Deltona, Florida, uh, they have a great selection of cigars, whether you want boutiques or some tried and true brands. Uh, they have their own brand, Postani. They carry Roma Craft. They carry Podomo, Fuente. Um, so they got something for everybody. Outstanding retail store. We're starting to plan our trip to the Deltona Ooh. area. In, in my wife and I had that discussion this week because we got to get that. We, we, our dad lives down in that area. So it's always a must go uh, to that store. Um, the customer service is exceptional. I walked into that mm. store. I don't like Mike wasn't there when I got there, and uh, the staff didn't really know. I don't really like to talk about me. I just go in there as a uh, come on, Coop. But they but they treated me like gold. Um, and great great lounge, great bar. Can't say enough about those guys. Uh, if you can't get into the store, go to scarhustler.com. Get on their email list. Definitely got uh, an email. If you're an LCA fan, they got the LCA stuff. Um, and um, yeah, you know, like I said, get on and and like I said, it comes out usually at midnight. Uh, a lot of like at least once a week they have one out there. And if there's a limited thing, you jump on that email fast because you, you'll lose out, is what I'll say. But you have your mm. opportunity there. Uh, if you can't get enough of that, <laughs> you can go to <laughs> a cigar hustlers podcast uh, on Podbean. I have something to say about the A Cigar Hustlers podcast. Oh, okay. So there's a couple of things to talk about here. First up is uh, if you go to there's an episode out there uh, where they kind of do a little they kind of take what I would say is a playful jab at me because I snubbed them. Uh, (laughs) I didn't bring them in for those TPE interviews. Right. And that was my fault. Right. Uh, I probably should have because I always say those guys are media. But I didn't, I didn't contact them to do a media interview, and oh. I do regret that. But they kind of take a, it's a, it's. I don't want to give it away. Go check it out, because uh, they kind of just make fun of the fact of that, uh, and they splice in some cigar coupe primetime stuff with it. It's really cool how they did it, right? Kind of like pretending to be interviewed by me. It's really, really cool. Um, then they also had Brian from Pravada on uh, the last show. Um, and yes, yeah, it so, is part two. Yeah, so check that out. Um, I'll say this Brian was very complimentary about the interview we did. He was a little disappointed that we uh, we cut out the Abe stuff. I think he understands <laughs> why I, he understands why, but I don't think he, the reason he thinks that Abe's kind of pulling strings with me that that wasn't the case. But he was complimentary on the interview, he knew it was a good interview. Mm, I, I, you mm, know, so great I, interview. Yeah, yeah, no, thanks. So he talks a lot about, about that as well. Um, and then there's other stuff he'll talk about with, with Pravada. So it was good interview. Check check out both of those shows. Uh, definitely worth doing. New music we got. So for Black History Month, we're going to focus on some African-American artists. First off, we have Pink Sweats and featuring Black. Yeah. 
good, that's a good track. With a track called Midnight River. Yep. Um, I like Pink Sweats. Uh, now, Sweats is spelled S-W-E-A-T. And then uh, the next S is a dollar sign. Yeah. Um, so it, it's a very trippy groove uh, on love and connection. It's very warm. It's a very warm song. He's a very good R&B artist. I like he put out some stuff I think a couple years ago that made the top 50 list. This will make the top 50 list for this for 2022. Uh, it's a great track. So check that out. Yep. Uh, the weekend. We talked about his album because he featured on another song we talked about. Um, Dawn FM is his latest album. Uh, and Sacrifice is the 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 track that I chose. I mean, if you like the weekend, he has that sort of club vibe to him. But it's really interesting, Coop. This record has a very sort of like New Order, Joy Division, sort of tinny. Like those bands were always had this like tinny vibe. Yep. That kind of set them apart. He has that like tinny synth vibe. Track. Yeah, I thought this was a good track. Did you get, I mean, I get a bit of New Order, Joy Division. Off when of you his, said his... that, because I had listened, after I saw what you wrote, I listened, you're 100% right about that. I agree with you on that. That was a good job uh, by the weekend. Yeah, I think he's trying going in a new direction with this record. Yeah, um, something that's so, good keeps it fresh. Yeah, I thought it was good. So, so check that out. Uh, and I got you got a bonus track here, Coop. Yeah, the Red Hot Chili Peppers are back. Um, they have an album called Unlimited Love that's getting released uh, in a few months. So they're doing what everyone else does is they're they're launching the singles earlier. Uh, mm-hmm. The track is called Black Summer. It's a catchy song. Um, it's kind of a throwback to the Chili Peppers at their peak in a lot of ways, but it's still got something to offer there. Um, and, you know, the whole thing about the Chili Peppers is you got Flea on the bass. He's a beast, right? You got Chad Smith. Yes. A, a beast, Flea right? is unbelievable. Flea is unbelievable. I mean, it's, watching Flea is amazing, amazing right? Um, and then you don't forget you have uh, Chad Smith, who's a monster yes. on the drums, right? Uh, one of the best drummers out there. Uh, Antichitis kind of great vocalist uh, as well. But, you know, the thing about the Chili Peppers is John Frusciante. Uh, mm. He's the guy that I think is when he's left the band, they've lost something. And he's kind of been in and out of the band a couple of times. This is, I think, his third time. He's back on this album. And his guitar is on fire in this song. He has a guitar solo in here. And, and mm. I, I said, this is why John Frusciante is a absolute... He is the absolute key member of the Red Hot Chili Peppers because while all those guys are good, it's so, you you need that John Frusciante who, uh, with all respect to David Navarro when he was in there, I think he did an admirable yep. job, but he's not John Frusciante. Uh, so, mm. um, yeah, so check that one out. Uh, Black Summer's the track. It was really enjoyable. I'm really looking forward to the, the Chili Peppers' uh, new album. Man, I mean... Flea, there's never been a band he didn't want to play in. He has done so much stuff. You can do a whole whole show yeah. on Flea. You do. <laughs> I mean, Give done. It Away is just such a bass-driven track. Uh, and, and like I said, you watch Flea live. Uh, he's he's just a he's just a one of a kind. Well, he's he's done music with Tom York. He did he did stuff on Jagged Little Pill. Yeah. He's been everywhere. Flea, call Flea in. Um, you're gonna get you. You need a, you want a top bass player for hire. Flea will do a great job. 
Hey, and if you're playing bass and he's got spare time, he'll probably do it. Yeah. <laughs> he's done a lot of stuff. Yeah. I'm I'm uh, really excited about this album of theirs. I haven't been excited about it. Because Black Sound no, is very I. impressive. It was very impressive. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Um, album about Galaxy homework. We got Aretha Franklin with Young, Gifted, and Black. I mean, people probably remember that song. It's a title track. Um, people probably know the Nina Simone version. Mm-hmm. Um, it's probably the most well-known version. Aretha does it. This album came out in 72. So it's right around sort of Gil Scott Heron. A lot of stuff we talked about in 71 was sort of the civil rights and women's movements. Um, title track is great. Rock Steady is on this record. That's a great track. And then Border Song, Holy Moses, is shows off that sort of more gospel side of Aretha as well. So it's a great, it's a great record. Uh, check that one out. Uh, definitely good, good pick, good pick there as well, for sure. Um, awesome. All right. Um, before we close out, um, couple of notes. Um, if you're watching this show on live, uh, we have a primetime episode 220 on Thursday with Daniel Marshall. Ooh, I'm telling you the giveaways we have. For crazy. D- Daniel Mar- are crazy. The gold cutter, the Carlito cigar, the cu- cigar you did with Carlito. Um, there's a book. There's a humidor. I mean, there is a we're oh, giving humidor. some yeah, serious stuff. The humidor is cool. It's a floating humidor. Right. And uh, it's really cool. Right. And then there's pictures we'll have on on the, on, the, on our promo Instagram and Facebook pages. So big giveaways. Daniel's going to be an awesome guest, by the way. So um, um, this is the first time I've got a chance to interview him. Um, mm. So you want to check that out now. Um, I'm heading to Pro Cigar, so um, we won't have a show for the next two weeks because um, I'm going to be gone both Saturdays. We could get one in next week. We could talk about that maybe, but but definitely the week after. But I know we have scheduled um, on. I'm going to look at the date because I think we can kind of say I think we got the cat out of the bag now at this point. Uh, March 5th. Um, I guess we're going to call this like 90s madness or something. Yeah. Okay. So this is the, this is the re, uh, re-image battle of the bands tournament we're doing. Um, and we're changing it up this year. Uh, there's two, we're making a couple of big changes. The first thing is we're not drafting artists. We're drafting albums this time. Yes. And the albums have to be released in the decade of the 1990s. So, um, We'll have to kind. Of, we may have to do some validation on a couple of things. Uh, we have a couple, and we, we we have two guests coming into the tournament. I think we mentioned this on the last show. Uh, Hector Alfonso and John McTavish will be coming yes. in. Yes, we'll each be drafting eight albums, and then we'll each have our own brackets that you'll get a chance to vote on, just like in the past. And then one of our albums will represent each of us in a final four, uh, and we'll determine the overall winner of this. And as you vote, there'll be prizes given out again. I think we'll be doing again the vinyl me please thing. Uh, we'll do some. I have a, a, a nice ashtray. I'm gonna donate as well. Oh, uh, so the, yeah, I have a really cool. Uh, and that's got that's only U.S. only by the way. That ashtray is gonna cost a fortune to ship. <laughs> so, yes. uh, um, yeah. So, but yeah, and maybe I'll throw one more prize in there as well. So yeah, you definitely want to check out that. We're gonna be drafting uh, our selections because that kind of makes it more interesting. You know, uh, and uh, we'll be doing that draft show on March 5th. And then the winner 
we usually when it was the bands we do a show on the band, but the winner will do an album archaeology on the record. Yep, yep. So I think that will be pretty cool too. Uh, and I could tell you that Hector and John are taking this very seriously. <laughs> um, I was on a chat thread with them uh, this week on a couple of things, so uh, they are taking this very seriously. This is not. Uh, uh, it's going to be very interesting how this goes down. So. Uh, I, uh... My draft board is at 50. I got 50 records on the draft board. I'm ready to go. Yeah, see, I have a couple I want to swipe early, and I have a couple I'm going to hold back, which I don't think will be picked. I'm going to risk that, so uh, oh. see what happens. So, and then yeah, some of those middle ones. But, yeah, so we, David, I know we've done 16 each, but because we have John and Hector, uh, we're going to make it eight each. I think that will be much more interesting on that. So, you know, I think we changed, we opted to change this because, you know, we don't want to have the same artists every time on this thing. And oh, yeah. Uh, yeah, and we just wanted to kind of inter- and the other thing is the way those those were going, it was always 60 and 70 guys. So we said, yeah. hey, let's do a 90s. Maybe we do 80s next time or 2000s, you know, uh, but I'm sure we'll, we'll be reimagining this thing along the way as the years go by. So I'm very excited about that. And that will be perfect time for March Madness. Oh, I am so excited about the records thing. Yeah, really everyone's excited. really like I said. Hector and John are really pumped in you are. So it's all it's a, all of us are really excited about doing this. So uh, it's going to be interesting to see. I and mean, you got to vote, guys. So, yeah. 90s records, man. Yeah. Yes. Yeah, Dave is Dave is very Dave will tell you he, he roots for certain guys in his bracket. So oh, I do. <laughs> I do. I mean, unfortunately, uh, I don't have a lot of uh, Dolly in this one, unfortunately, but. Is Dolly gonna make it? That's gonna be it. I don't. Not not on my. She's not on my board. My See, board is stacked. There's one Diana album, but I don't think it's gonna go far in the tournament. So it's it's uh, I, the one that has I will survive. I, I, so I don't think I'm drafting Diana. I gotta be honest with you. Uh, and then you know there's like there's so many other albums and I. It's interesting to see. There's a lot of newer artists I think that are gonna be in this as well. I'll be really interested to see. What John and Hector pick because Hector, I was sort of talking to him about it. Um, and there's certain bands I know Hector will pick, but he's also sort of into the, the sort of Lilith Fair movement at that time. So yeah, it'd be really interesting to see what he what he picks. Yeah, it is too. I mean, and that's the beauty of this is you could build like you could build your bracket in such a I mean, in such a way you know that you you could probably you know I don't want to say manipulate it, but you know. Sometimes it could backfire on you too. Like you put you put a bracket together, and then you think this guy's gonna beat the other guy easy, and then there's an upset. Yeah, and I think the draft will be interesting because Coop and I and John and Hector kind of know each other's musical tastes a bit. Yeah. So and so there'll be a lot of uh, gamesmanship around what we think one will draft. Do we draft one to steal it from the other guy? Do we? Yeah. Or do we nice? Do we do we nice and hold back? Play nice, uh, yeah. Yeah. See, I always like to try to get behind albums or artists that I, I obviously I like. So, mm-hmm. um, you know, I don't try to pick someone in there just to kind of screw someone. But it's a strategy, you know. There's no, there's no, there's nothing wrong with that. So, I think what we're going to do, Dave, is we may have to have a little bit of a validation piece. Uh, so I said we go to Wikipedia or something like that for the release dates. I think that would be the easiest thing to do. Is if there's a question yeah. on the, there was one album Hector was mentioning to me that that actually I said Hector that's actually an '87 album, so uh, we may have- <laughs> yeah, yeah. 
So excited about that. If we get another show in next week, we can talk about that as well. But uh, if not, it, that will be the next show. Great. Well, close us out here, Coop. Great show. Yeah, great show. Thank you, Dave. Thanks to our audience. That's going to wrap up Primetime Jukebox episode 65 into the annals of history for this Valentine's Day edition, post-Super Bowl edition. Uh, stay tuned. Uh, we'll have further announcements on, on the next show. And we'll see everybody soon. <laughs>